What's up? Jason Tatum here. Ball up wherever you are with NBA 2K Mobile. Playing game events to collect NBA legends and rising stars to assemble your dream team and settle things on the court. Download NBA 2K Mobile now on the App Store and Google Play. Hello and welcome back to a brand new episode of the Pick Aside Podcast. My name is Joel Moran and I'm here with River Brown and John Carlos. And it's now episode 224. In this episode, we're going to talk about Josh Primo being waived, our biggest surprises and disappointments, early thoughts on teams that made blockbuster trades, Ben Simmons, the Bucks, and more. John Carlos, first episode back in a while. Andrew had to study for his exams. He has finals week this week. Joel is experiencing. He's going to some Halloween parties tonight and stuff like that. But Drew, this week is his finals week. So wish him luck on his finals in the comment section down below. After this week, or after this upcoming week, he has no more finals. So that means that NFL Sunday Ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV, which means that you can stay close to your team even if you don't live in their town. Like maybe you're a Raven who married a Seahawk who got a job in the land of the Falcons. With NFL Sunday Ticket, you can watch your team's out-of-market Sunday afternoon games no matter where you live because you shouldn't have to change teams even if you change towns. NFL Sunday Ticket, now on YouTube and YouTube TV. Go to youtube.com slash presale to get $50 off. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends 919. No refund. Subscription auto renews. Uh, he's going to be locked in, and we're all going to be locked in. But, JC, first time being on a podcast in a while. How you feeling? How's everything? I'm good, guys. Uh, you know, <laughs> life's it's been... Up and down recently, but, you know, I moved somewhere pretty far, but I'm starting to get back on my feet, um, going back to school and everything, you know, just the usual, still keeping up with the Nets and Jets, still in tune with sports, but, um, you know, I'm happy to be back for this episode with you guys, man. Yes, sir. Let's get to it, because I think NBA, a lot of stuff is going on. It, during this time of the year, there's a lot of room for people to overreact, and in, in this show, we might do some overreacting, we <laughs> might not be doing some overreacting. But before we get on to the first topic in the show, a quick word from SeatGeek, who's sponsoring today's video. Today's video is sponsored by SeatGeek. With over 20 million downloads, SeatGeek is the number one rated ticketing app. There are more than 70,000 events every single day on SeatGeek, including sports, concerts, festivals, and more. We are going to the Jets game this Sunday. We hope to see you there. But we live in an area where there's a lot of events going on. Nets, Knicks game, there's some artists coming around town here. And with the NBA season tipping off, the NFL in full swing, you're not going to want to miss out. They also want to make sure that you are getting a good deal. So when you're on the app, look for the green dots. Green means good. Red means bad. Every ticket is backed by their buyer guarantee, and SeatGeek is the only site that lets you return your tickets ahead of the event with swaps. And you know we came through for you guys, so you guys can use code PAS for $20 off your tickets at SeatGeek. That's $20 off your first purchase with promo code PAS. Make sure you click the link in the description to download the app. It's going to be below. Remember, that's code PAS for $20 off your first SeatGeek order. Not to mention, college basketball is about to start. Seen Hall, Seen Rutgers. Hall, Rutgers, yeah. St. John's. We got mm -hmm. everything in full swing. St. Peter's. Seen Hall and Rutgers, they play December 11th, I believe. Yeah. It'll be fun. Better use that code, man. So yesterday, Riv, we was at a Enjoy Basketball's event. You said me or like you said we? I said we. Oh, did you said you. I was <laughs> like, you were with me. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, we was. We was definitely there. Um, why'd you, why you, <laughs> why'd you say that randomly? No, I, just because we got to meet Kenny Beecham for oh, the yeah, first yeah. time. 
The, the, we haven't met Pierre or anybody from Through the Wire crew just yet, but that was the first time meeting Kenny. Yeah, surprisingly, we we meet Kenny before Pierre, but we're cooler with Pierre. So yeah, well, we met him first for sure. Mm-hmm. But the event was awesome. They were talking about enjoy basketball. There was some cool clothing there. Um, they they put it together uh, all together, just a great event. And people, some people recognized this as well when we oh, were there. Oh yeah, yeah, it was um pretty cool. People were really nervous to say what's up to us, but um yeah, like you said, the event was good. The place was nice. The food was good. You know, the little snacks. <laughs> the sandwiches. The, yeah, the little sandwiches. The box water. Yeah, the box water was actually the best thing there, which is crazy. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it was a great event, and it was nice what I enjoyed basketball did. You know, it was, a, I would say, probably between 80 to 100 people walked in and out in the place, and it was a nice nice little thing that they did, a nice little event, so I liked it. Moving on to the first topic of the show, talking about just what happened recently, the big-time news, Josh Primo got waived. Josh Primo was a 12th overall pick in 2021. And really, this is something that we did not see coming. When he was drafted, we knew it was a reach. But he's not getting waived for performance purposes. He's getting waived because <coughs> before we started recording this show, news broke from Ramona Shelburne, Ramona Shelburne yep. that they released him because there are multiple alleged instances of him exposing himself Two women, and I think it was women within the organization. So because of that, they released Josh Primo, 12th overall pick in 2021. Just overall, what are your thoughts on, on this waving? Well, when the, the news broke out a couple of days ago, because they just picked up his option about three weeks ago, and even when the season started, he was playing fine. You know, he wasn't playing good. He wasn't playing to the point where you cut him. You know, he was all right. He had some up and downs, but he's 19 years old. You know, you have to see the up and down. So when I first heard the news, I was like, you know, at first you throw the jokes like, oh, bust, he got cut. But then you think like, all right, now let's get to a serious conversation. What could he have done to get released? It's nothing. It couldn't be nothing basketball related, especially with the Spurs. You know, they are very uptight, high-class organization. So it had to be something internally. You saw what Popovich got asked the question. The Spurs organization got asked the question. They kept it very simple. And then Primo came out and said mental illness. He wanted to be left alone. So... A lot of it was very, very bland. And then, like you said, I think we got the news like 20 minutes ago Mm -hmm. that the story broke out. I think he just got caught being a kid, honestly. You know, him, 19 years old, got caught playing around, wanting girls in the organization. But at the end of the day, this is the same thing that we spoke about with the Udoka situation. You got to keep your work life your work life. Do not mingle with your work life. Do not mingle with people inside your work life. The same thing for a regular job. So I think, honestly, he just got caught in a bad situation. I wish him luck. You know, I hope the best for him. I hope the best for the other people in this situation. And we'll know more as the season progresses. But I just want, you know, I hope best for both parties. I definitely felt the same way once I saw that uh, report. Um, I saw that he was 19 years old. I knew that they drafted him last year. I knew it couldn't be for anything basketball-related because – I mean, I felt like a lot of people felt he was a type of project player. Spurs talked year. highly of him, too. And, you know, once I got that news and I started hearing rumblings on Twitter for other, uh, you know, other people talking about the situation, saying that this has to be something internal, this has to be something non-basketball related. Like he said, 20 minutes ago, we got the report of him allegedly exposing himself to people within the organization, to women within the organization. And like you said, it's like the Ime, Ime Udoka situation, um, it's something that's probably now, if that's, it's alleged right now. Um, we don't know if it's 100% true, but if that if, if that's found to be the case, it's something that's going to follow him for his entire career. You know, people are going to 
make jokes about it. People are going to always bring it up. And, you know, I just don't know how you can sweep something like this under the rug. I mean, Boston Celtics made the finals last year with Udoka as their coach, and they literally just, they, they told him, they banned him for, for a year. Um, they're not opposed to him leaving if he wants to leave. So I just feel like this is the same situation, but it's just a player. And, you know, I hope all this gets resolved. I hope it's honestly not true because that's really detrimental for his career and the people involved for it. But once I saw it, I knew it wasn't anything basketball related. But now that this story is coming out, I can only just hope for the best and, you know, hope everybody, you know, in this situation can see a better day, especially him. You know, he's a really young kid. I can't remember a situation where a player who was picked this high in the draft was waived after a year in some games. And, that, and that's, that's why we all knew that something had to happen in order for him to get released. Now, you mentioned it perfectly, Riv. You, you can't mix your work life and, and your professional life. Well, your work life and your outside life, you can't mix that. You can't mingle with it. And that's some advice that, you know, you gave me early on. We used to work security. <laughs> we used to work at CNBC. There used to be some, you know, girls that, you know, Riv, she look, she look high, you know what I'm saying? But, you know, Riv always used to tell me, listen, nah, bro, you know, I don't get involved in that work <laughs> stuff. I don't get involved. I don't mingle with it. So that's something that Riv, very early on, he's very disciplined. He kind of showed me the way and said, you know, we got to do it this way, too. It's not habit, it's not habit, but got to be consensual. And in this uh in this in this There's way, in this incident, it just did not feel like it was consensual at all. The NBA removed Josh Primo from the NBA store. The Spurs removed all his gear from I think their they removed him own from 2K website. Yet? I don't know if they removed him for two K yet. I want to play with them after see. Yeah. But but I but I think that the question that we all had when this happened was what could have happened? And now we know what happened and it's really about the story that comes out after. Because we know the headline, right, that, you know, he exposed himself to women within the organization, but we don't know the entire story behind it. I do feel like Josh Primo tried to get ahead of the curb a little bit by releasing a statement of him kind of being in a bad mental health space. So he kind of used that. But uh, to me, if what the story eventually is, if, when it is released, it, it does show him in a negative light. I do feel like it was kind of a... Uh, a bad move for him to try to use mental health as a crux as to why, you know, he got released because we kind of thought maybe Josh Primo got released because he wasn't feeling mentally well and the Spurs just released him. But if that was the case, the Spurs have a lot of people on that staff that are mental health professionals that could have helped him through that process. And, and that's why I feel like if he issued this statement to use mental health as a, as just a crux to make himself look better in the situation, that is a very uh, a kid way to do things. Yeah, I don't, I don't like, I don't want to. But at the same time, if you say to the organization, "I need to step away from the game," I don't think they release you. So when he came out and said, "Oh, mental illness, I have to step away from the game," I don't think that warrants the organization. I think would allow you to step away without fully releasing you. They completely just released you from the roster. So even then, thinking about it, it was kind of like people were still confused. I got caught by a Reddit, uh, Spurs Reddit. Somebody was like, he's in the process of being investigated for murder. I got caught reading that, and I was like, oh, shit, Primo might have murdered somebody. So I, got, <laughs> so I got caught by a Spurs Reddit. So I'm glad this story actually came out because I was really going to believe that Spurs Reddit, and I would never do that again. Reddit does have some pretty influence. Yeah, bro, he wrote like a four-paragraph straight Tweet, 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 tweet. He he had some sources. I thought it was for real. I was like, oh, okay. Damn, murder. 
In San Antonio, okay. In the end of the day, we know it definitely was something serious, and that's why he got released. <laughs> On to NBA early season surprises and disappointments. Now, we're going to name three for each. I'll start. My surprises, I think the first one is pretty easy for me. Uh, Trey Young adapting his game. I think Trey Young's done an exceptional job at adapting his game, being more of an off-ball player. This season, he is uh, getting 12 off-ball screens set for him a game. Last year, it was at four. Steph Curry right now gets about 13.5 set for him for set for him per game, which means that Trey Young is now kind of on par to Steph Curry in terms of the on-ball movement, the off-ball moment off-ball movement mm. he is trying to experiment with and expand so, his game. So when do you think the efficiency would catch up? Because that's been his, like this year's to start off slow, his efficiency yeah. has stinked. I feel like it'll catch up uh, towards the halfway point of the year. So like I do February? Think so. Or the quarter of the year. Okay. I think Trey Young's going to get it going. It, it's still a, a brand new play style he's adapting yeah. to. Next one is Devin Vassell's emergence. Devin Vassell has been amazing. <laughs> Lottery pick in 2020. He's averaging 19.8 points per game, five rebounds, four and a half assists shooting 39% from three, and his mid-range has been deadly. He's shooting 70% from the from mid-range. Devin Vassell is a player that coming out of the draft, he went to Florida State. There was a debate between him and Patrick Williams, and it's kind of clear who's the better player now. It's Devin Vassell. But Devin Vassell was somebody who was polished, defensive player. He had that offensive upside. And now with the Spurs, it's just another example of them finding a player in the draft, developing him, and now he looks really good. And Keldon Johnson has also taken another step. And the third one for me, surprises, is De'Aaron Fox. Fuck. And this year, De'Aaron Fox, 6.5 attempts at the rim. He's shooting 69%, almost 70% at the rim, and he's averaging four deflections a game. He's been a pest defensively, averaging 36-6. and six. Mike Brown has unlocked the best version <coughs> of De'Aaron Fox, and I'll let you guys name your surprises, and I'll go to disappointments. All right. Well, I'm glad I wrote four because you took one of mine. So um, I got th- I'm down to three. Um. Santi Aldama, you know, I'm going to name some some very low-key guys. You know, the Grizzlies have this weird way of just, they don't, they, they stay cheap and they develop well, and then they got guys who can always fill in these roles. Aldama against the Brooklyn Nets and against the New York Nets came in and he did his thing. He played his role. He was a double-double machine. Offensively, he was hitting threes. So shout out to him. You know, it, it may not last long, but I, I want to give him some early surprise because I didn't think... I thought the depth issue would be a problem, you know, losing Kyle Anderson and stuff and not really having Danny Green for the season. So I think I thought coming in Memphis would struggle, but they got guys that just plug in and do their thing. And Aldama is one of them. So I got to give him some praise. Laurie Markkinen, uh, he is top 10 in value over replacement player, which is fucking insane. Uh, Last year, defensively, he got much better. This year, he's maintained that offensively. He's been a machine uh that stretch that the ability to stretch out to the three-point line hit the mid-range jump shot the ability to ball handle i think three level scoring ability of laurie has been really good it's improved defensively like i said last year he improved but i think he has to get some flowers because utah is playing very competitive basketball and that's because of laurie he's been their best player undoubtedly trey murphy is my third guy uh new orleans pelicans they're doing wonders over there and trey murphy has been that guy a form of a you know, coming up the new age, 3 and D type of players, a guy who can defend, he can create his own shot, but he is a deadly sharp shooter, and I love what they're doing out there in, in New Orleans. I wish Herb Jones could be like that on offense right now. He's not, unfortunately, but Trey Murphy picks that slack up because he can shoot that ball so well, but shout out to those three guys. All right, so the first guy that I have, I've been watching more of him this season, 
And just off, I know it's a small sample size first couple of games, but his three-pointers looked really good on, like, almost six attempts a game as SGA. I always felt like if he unlocked that part of his game and became a 38 to 40% three-point shooter, he could take his game to the next level. He's averaging 29 points. He looks like his jump shot's really improved. Better than Paul George. Right now, it's five games (laughs) in. Another player that um, single-handedly I saw him destroy my team, and his game just looks more refined, more better is Pascal Siakam. Uh, there was an interview with uh, Kyrie Irving after the game, and he was just talking about how much better Pascal's gotten as a off the dribble shooter, attacking the basket, efficiency, more moves. Um, he's averaging tw- twenty six points per game right now. He looks really good. He looks like, like honestly, la- a couple seasons ago when he was averaging twenty, everybody was so down on him, and he's such a different player. Uh, current day right now, averaging twenty six. I know it's a funny word. We all laugh in the Spence basketball commu- community, but, like, his bag improved. <laughs> like, he, he's hitting a variety of different shots. And I do think this is sustainable for him because I all these players um, rave about how much work he puts in. He looks really good this year. And then another guy that I've been keeping a close eye on that has been, you know, looking all right from what I've seen. I've only seen a couple games from them. Um, Chris Das Porzingis. Uh, when I've been watching him with the Wizards, I mean, he's still he he's looking a lot better. His jump shots looking good. The Wizards are three and two. They they blew the game last night, but if he can maintain this level of play on both sides of the ball, shooting the ball more consistently, I believe he's close to forty percent from the three. If he can just do that, uh, he's been a a surprise to me because I thought that as a player offensively, that's all he was going to offer. But he looks better as a defender this year. And, you know, hopefully the Wizards and, and him and everybody can get something going. But he has surprised me this year, too. But then again, with, for these three players I just named, it's only five games. But there's, there are certain aspects of the game that have stood out to me for all of them. And I think that they're, they've caught my eye. And Kyle Kuzma's been really good for the Wizards him too. as well. I was going to choose him, but it just – uh, he was playing like this to end the season last year, too. He, he I thought was, you were going to choose him. That's why I didn't choose him. Cool. Yeah, like basically like a career for them last year. Like Kuzma's like point. that. Yeah, He's really good. Was like that. I thought He's you were going to have him. That's why. All to disappointments. I'll no, name yeah. the first one. I, I think it's pretty easy. The Nets are disappointing uh, just to talk about the team. Oh, you're I picking think, a team for disappointment? Uh, yeah, you okay. can pick a team. No, I was you just You could have did it for surprises. Team, player, it doesn't matter. Okay, no, I'm just, as well. just, oh, I'm right with you yeah. on that. Oh, Nets, yeah, yeah, coaching. Doesn't disappoint me. Ben Simmons, rebounding, <sighs> their defense. It's just all kind of <sighs> treading water right now or sinking. And I think the Kings being winless. I know they right now they're playing Miami. They're they're breaking they're, the break. They're beating games. the brakes off of them. So <clears throat> the Kings, they might get their win after this podcast is done being recorded. But at the time of this recording, they're winless. And that does not mean I'm not impressed by them because they play extremely hard. A lot of their games are close games that go down to the wire. The other night versus Memphis, De'Aaron Fox outplayed John Morant. De'Aaron Fox was that good. But they just haven't been able to close out games. And I think DeMontis Sabonis is a player on the team that has been kind of disappointing. You know, you kind of want him to do a little bit more. You kind of want him to be a little bit more aggressive, assertive, and be more efficient offensively. And he just hasn't been that. And I just have two. Oh, that was it? Yeah, oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, no, one thing I can say about uh, De'Aaron Fox, he's been going toe-to-toe with pretty much every, like, against the Clippers. He was going at it with Paul George. He outplayed John Morant. They he just, didn't outplay Paul George, too. He did not outplay Paul George. You have to stop. Um, <laughs> He did not outplay Paul George, bro. But he Fox. was going toe-to-toe with Paul George. But unfortunately, you're right. They cannot close games. Um, 
My disappointments, I got a bunch of players. Um, Cade Cunningham started the season. Uh, he had a monster game yesterday. He did. They lost, he, he did indeed have a monster game. You know, that was the one I've been waiting for. But to start the season, his efficiency has stunk. He hasn't been able to finish at the rim. And I think it's, you know, he's not comfortable yet. I, I don't like the way he started this year. I thought he would come out, start on fire, especially with the way he was ending last season. But the last two games, he's been impressive. But I don't like the way he's played the first few games, especially. But against Atlanta, against Trey Young on the defensive end, he was great. He's been there defensively, but I want the offense to start kicking up. Another player, Paul George. I got to throw him up here. He has he yeah, ever since that comment of I'm the number two guy, he's been acting like a number two guy. He's too passive. He hasn't been efficient. He's been turning the ball over. He's just taking poor shots. And he hasn't been that aggressive Paul George we saw last year without Kawhi. I want him to be that player. I un we understand Kawhi is the best player on the team. Nobody's saying that. But you are a talent. You are one of the best, too. Go out there, do your thing. The team needs you to do your thing. So he's been another disappointment for me. I'm going to save this third guy because you should have said him. But um, for me, it's Sadiq Bey, number three. I thought from last year to this year, the self-creation would improve. It has not improved. Oh, yeah, he's clears him. Fact. It's sniper. Sadiq Bay's uh, self-creation has not improved at all. He's still really inefficient. And I thought he he's a player who I think they don't need to move off of. I think this is a guy who can fit extremely well next to Cade, next to Ivy. But he needs to improve that bag, as we like to say, because that is important for the game. Actually, I am going to say him. RJ fucking Barrett. I don't know what's I don't know what's going on with him. I saw a report that said because of the defensive load he's getting, offensively he's struggling. I don't want to hear that shit. You're coming in. You have to assert yourself as a wing. You are a great defender offensively, especially last year with the way he started off offensively. You would just want R.J. Barrett to be one of those guys who can maintain that consistency, especially with the way he ended last season. So I want him to kick up the offense, be a better offensive player, because this team right now is firing on all cylinders. Jalen Brunson has got it going. The bench has been really good. But the only thing that hasn't clicked yet is R.J. Barrett, and you kind of want to see everything click together for this team to be successful. And, yeah, that's it. Yeah, <laughs> I mean... You already said um, I'm right with you on it. Uh, number one for me has to be the Brooklyn Nets. Um, ben Simmons? Oh, my God. I'm going to tear <laughs> him up. Um, yeah, like you said, biggest disappointment. We're, we're one in four right now. Ben Simmons has looked a shell of himself in all aspects of basketball. He's not really attacking the rim. He's getting cooked by all the elite players that he's supposed to be guarding. Um, it, it's just it's been really bad offensively. They're just an ISO-heavy team. They just rely on Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant, which isn't a bad thing. But at some point, you have to implement a system. You have to get Ben Simmons. You have to put him in some situations to succeed. I mean, right now, he's not showing that he can succeed in anything. He's not even attacking the basket. Uh, he's not a good free throw shooter. Obviously, we know about the jump shot. Half-court playmaking, half-court facilitating, very suspect. It's just, it's bad for a team that had a, like, in terms of Nets fans, we had a lot of expectations for this team to come out the gate firing. I mean, you have Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant. Kyrie with a contract year, Kevin Durant with something to prove. Ben Simmons definitely has something to prove, and it just looks bad. And um, the other team that's super disappointing, I mean, I don't know if it comes to disappointment to you guys, but I'm going to have to say them, the Los Angeles Lakers. I mean, I didn't think that there no, was— No, not to us. I, no, yeah, no. I was going to say, I didn't think that there was any any way they could start 0-5 with the season and shoot as bad as they're shooting right now. I mean, they're horrible— one stat that surprises me about them is defensively, they're actually really good. They're second in the league in defense, but they just can't hit jump shots. But for as long as LeBron is in the league and for as long as, you know, he's still that guy, a team starting 0-5 with LeBron James, to me, is always going to be 
just disappointing. And I expected more from them. They look like they look like they might not even make the playoffs. I mean, it's only five games, but it looks that bad. But two teams, these are the two teams that I felt like are the most disappointing, especially the Nets, though, in my opinion, because they actually have talent. I think the Lakers are done. I don't think they're making the playoffs. I mean, like when people say it's early, I get that part. The problem with the Lakers early is that the five teams they played are like teams they're going to have to eventually see down the road, like the Clippers, the Timbs, the Warriors. Like, I'm blanking on the other. I think they played Portland, too. If I'm not, yeah, Portland, yeah, Damian right? Lillard went. F- yeah, like these are teams like you're going to have to see down the road. And defensively, you mentioned it. They've been great they're defensively. Second in the league in defense. Like you watch them play on the defensive end, they're all bought in. All offensively, no teams shooting. are guarding all five of them. Like, this isn't just, a, it's every single one of them. At the free throw line. Like, they're leaving LeBron open. They're leaving AD open. They're Westbrook. leaving Westbrook open. They're leaving Kendrick, Patrick no, Beverly. Lonnie Walker, like everybody. So, it's you better start playing like the 80s and just going to the basket. They played a bit better against the T-Wolves. Bench yeah. Brook was pretty <clears throat> successful. Yeah, you know, it's they funny. They played the Clippers solidly the other day, too. They lost by a couple Bench Brook, they still lose. Westbrook doesn't play. They still lose. They're just, a, plays, badly, they're they just a badly built team, but... I mean, I didn't think that they would be this bad as a team to shoot in threes. Like, I thought the addition of Patrick Beverly, who's a career 38% three-point shooter, was going to help them out. I just thought I just thought there was going to just be more things coming into place for them. But, I mean, it looks like the same team. Anthony Davis is already missing games. So, it's just an utter disappointment. I actually had this thought the other day that LeBron's Lakers tenure, at least the tail end of it, feels a lot like Kobe's tail end to mm. his Lakers tenure about how they're both dysfunctional. There are differences, of course, like with Kobe. He was coming off injuries. And the Lakers. He was coming off an injury. Catastrophic but injuries. They had a calf space. They just couldn't sign anybody. Nobody wanted to go to L.A. Yeah. But this team, it's, you know, you won a championship, and now it's kind of like the trend downwards yep. where the players that you won with, you traded away, and you have aging talent. You have an aging LeBron. Anthony Davis can't stay healthy. Russell but Westbrook's it's, on a major It's similar, though. Like, LeBron... <laughs> I don't think the Lakers, there's really any way up for them. You look at the free agency class this upcoming season, it's it's not like names that can take them over the top because they're still going to lack depth. No matter what big-time guy they sign, they're going to lack depth. You don't think Kyrie would help? No, because they still have no depth. I think this is the league. I think he would help. I'm not saying they'd win a championship, but I think the league league we're trending in right now is you need really great teams. And they're a great coach to win. Like You need depth. You need a great coach. And the Lakers don't have neither one. So yeah, a lot of people are high on Darvin Ham. He looks looks really rough, but he. But the, I don't think it's him. his fault because he, he has to work it out for him. He doesn't have any thing to work with offensively. The bigger point in all that is what I'm trying to say is that the Lakers are dysfunctional, and they have been dysfunctional for ten plus years now. Since Kobe's tail end of his career, they've been dysfunctional. There was a point in time where they missed the playoffs for six straight. Since seasons. the Mavericks sweep in 2011, from that point on, outside of their bubble championship, you're right. They've been very yeah, dysfunctional. and the, the failed super team in 2012. Le- LeBron Steve came oh, to the Lakers, and he is the only reason why we're looking at the Lakers as a somewhat functional organization because he's what brought AD to the Lakers and he won a championship. But even with LeBron, over half of his tenure, he has not made the playoffs. Yeah. When LeBron retires and they don't have first-round picks, they have cap space, but nobody's going to want to go to L.A. because it's a dumpster fire. LA is going to be in in a dysfunctional mode for a while, and it's because their franchise has been dysfunctional. Rob Pelink is not a good GM. Genie Bus has not shown to be a, a great owner, somebody who's been managing Lakers the best. It just doesn't feel like a place that's going to be 
successful after LeBron is gone. Don't they have just two first picks, first round picks only 20, left? No, 2025, 2026. I'm hearing that 2026. I mean, I don't know how true it is, but I'm hearing. I think it's 2027. It no, it is 2027. You just can't trade them. That's what it is. I think yeah. they have 2025. You just can't trade it. I think they do have that pick, though. Yeah, because you can't trade back-to-back back picks and back-to-back back years. <coughs> but the pick they have this year is going to go to the Pelicans. Well, they, they get the lower one? Or is it, is it, go straight, is it a swap? It's going to go, or it's it's gonna go straight to the Pelicans. They better make the something. Because yeah. if, if the Pelicans get the number one pick. Victor? So shout-out to on Twitter, the 204 Golden Boy, Sean C., he said, shout out to Pickasod Pod for putting me on to Boom Fantasy. Got my first win on a slip after a number of L's that I don't want to share with the rest of the class. Also, thank God the NBA is back. So his play, his parlay was Paulo Boncaro over eight and a half rebounds. He got 12. Trey Young over 27 and a half points. He got 36. And Evan Mobley over seven and a half rebounds. He had eight at the time. It was $5 to win $30. And for Boom Fantasy... I have a little slip that I made here for tomorrow's football game, the mm. Giants versus the Seahawks. It's going to be predicated around that game. But Boom Fantasy has NBA bets all the time, all the time. So you guys can put in your bets in there. And if you guys win, share it, tag us, and we'll shout you out on the podcast when you guys do win. So Boom Fantasy, this is $10 to win $100. Daniel Jones over under 198 and a half passing yards. What are you going with? Where they play? The Seahawks. Mm. Daniel, he's he's a game manager. I'm a, I'm gonna take the over though. No, I'm taking the under on him. I'm taking under. I'm not big on him as a passer. Next one is Darius Slayton over under 33 and a half receiving yards. Over. Over. Smash it. Bow. It's his main target, so he would go over. Geno Smith over under 230 and a half passing yards. Geno. Geno's been tough. He's been good. DK is playing. No, nah, yeah. he's not. He's questionable. He's, he's questionable. Okay. A game time decision. Fuck, that really doesn't help me at all. Um, ah. Dwayne Eskridge is playing, though. <laughs> <laughs> is Lockett playing? He is, yeah. But I need DK to no play. No offense, too. You know what? G- Gino's been hot. I'll take, I'll take the over. Yeah, I'll take the over, too. And last one, this is a matchup. So it's one player against the mm. other player. This is for rushing yards. Saquon Barkley or Kenneth Walker plus five rushing yards, which means that if Saquon gets 50 rushing yards but Kenneth Walker gets 45, Kenneth wins that matchup because there's a five-yard difference. Saquon. You're going Saquon Easily. over Kenneth Walker. Okay. Easily. Mm-hmm. Saquon, nah, come on. Saquon's been elite. Kenneth Walker had a very great last game. Kenneth Walker's elite. Yards. No, Saquon's elite. Nah, Saquon's like, elite. Kenneth yeah. Walker's really good, though. I'm going to take Saquon over, though. Exactly. Yeah. You can take him to cover that. For my picks, I'm going. <coughs> I, I'm actually going over on every single one of these. Oh, okay. I'm gonna go over. Kenneth Walker. The, the, the matchups. Who you taking? The matchups. I'm gonna take Kenneth Walker. Interesting. Kenneth Walker's yeah. a dog. Kenneth Walker <laughs> He's is mad nice. elite. His He's last game was crazy. Back. He's gonna be one of those guys that we talk about, and we're gonna be like, "Wow, He's one of the best backs in the league." In year what? What year we're we gonna be? At the end that? of the year. End of this year. He's yeah. playing. has been arguably one of the best backs for the. Whole year, right? You now. said Nick Chubb was better. You agreed with me. <laughs> Fuck. I mean, if you think Nick Chubb's better, what do you have Saquon right behind him, right? Yeah, it was just one of them two. Take. Nah, you said that Josh Jacobs is better though. He's a dog. I promise you, I didn't say that. Nah, he's he's not. <laughs> no, better. He's I just a dog. I know I I His know I didn't say Josh Jacobs. Josh Jacobs has been, been really insane good. the last three games. <clears throat> there were three teams that made blockbuster trades in the offseason: the Wolves, the Hawks, and the Cavaliers. And this is going to be our, I guess, report card of them so far early in the season. And how they've looked. So first team we're going to talk about right now 
is the Minnesota Timberwolves. Mm. Right now, at the time of recording, they're four and two. They have beaten the Lakers, Spurs, and Thunder. What have been your early thoughts on what Rudy Gobert has added to the team? I would love for you to start with this one. Okay, I'll start. Well, for one, I think they have been a, a much better rebounding team. They're third in rebounding so far this season. Last season, they were 16th in rebounding. And I really think that every player has adapted and kind of taken on a new role. Talking about Rudy Gobert, he's attempting 9.2 field goal attempts per game this year, which is a career high so far early in the season. They are using him more offensively. They're actually passing him the ball. And you can see sometimes Rudy Gobert is, is somewhat surprised that he's getting the ball this much because in Utah, he didn't have these much touches. Carl Anthony Towns is, is buying into his new role. He's becoming more of a playmaker. He's averaging five and a half assists per game, which is a career high for him as well. So he's buying into a new and improved, uh, new, and in, new and increased playmaking role for his team. And that kind of Rudy Gobert-Cat tandem, sometimes they play off each other very well. Anthony Edwards, he has some games where he's inefficient, but he's had three 30-point games this season. He's averaging 24. And Anthony Edwards is taking not only a scoring leap, but he's taking a playmaking leap as well. And for me, really, what I want to see more out of him is just a more defensive effort. And Jalen Noel off the bench, 14.5 points per game. He's a microwave, and he's one of the best bench players in the league. He is a very gifted scorer. Anthony Edwards was asked about Jalen Noel, and he said he's the best scorer on the team. And that's how good Jalen Noel is. You better start respecting him. Uh, Talking about problems, (laughs) I think (laughs) – Because I know you're disrespecting him. No, I actually, Noel was one of the few guys I like on the team. Okay. Yeah, I like Noel. In terms of about, we're talking about problems and what I see with this team early on. I I think it's just continuity offensively. I think D'Lo is the odd man out in this offense. He's still trying to figure out his way. And this offense, it's no, it it struggles noticeably when you see D'Lo is inefficient and he's kind of not involved in the offense much. But it's just everybody's still trying to buy into the roles. Rudy Gobert still kind of taken aback by how much he's getting the ball. Their three-point shooting isn't amazing. They're 19th in percentage this year. They were 12th last season. And it's going to happen naturally with Rudy Gobert having a bigger guy in there in, 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 in the, on the court. The court's going to be more congested. And they're, you know, the Timberwolves don't have a bunch of snipers on the team. Cat is an elite shooter. Edwards is a good shooter. He's not an elite shooter. D'Lo's a good shooter. He's not Streaky. an elite shooter. Jaden McDaniels is... Okay, he's not nothing special as a shooter. And Rudy Gobert's not that. So this team is going to lack spacing, and it's going to lack consistent perimeter play, consistent three-point shooting, and consistent spacing. So those are the problems that I see with the Timberwolves so far. But I think early on in the season, they look good. And the third quarter really is the only quarter that they struggle significantly. They have been outscored by 50 points in the third quarter so far this season. But I think this is a good start. I think Rudy Gobert, out of every team that we're going to talk about, DeJounte to the Hawks and Mitchell to the Cavs, this was going to be the hardest fit. And so far, they've made it work. I 100% agree. I disagree in the part where this is a good start. Um, this is an okay start. Realistically, the Timberwolves should be 7-0. 7-0, 6-0. They've lost some stinkers. Spurs, Utah, if I'm not mistaken, that was the second Over W. Time. Yeah, I, I, like you mentioned it, three-point shooting and continuity. That's pretty much the game in this NBA. You need three-point shooting, you need continuity. 
this year is going to be maybe like the first two, three months. It's going to be the time where Minnesota tries to fit everybody in together. You know, get D'Lo, get Gobert, get Cap, get uh, Edwards to kind of come in. And then you got to remember, Jaden McDaniels is still evolving his game. And Edwards is still evolving his game. So this is a it's going to be a recurring process for the year. Guys evolving, and then you got to get guys together. So I'm not like I, I would I would have loved to see them seven and zero, six and zero, because they're talented enough to be that. But um, because you know the, these couple games weren't that bad, but nonetheless they're still a good team. You know you still want to see the continuity improve. It's going to get better. It's going to be up to D'Lo because as the point guard, you know you you mentioned it. He looks out of sync. Sometimes he's the odd man out. But I feel like when you're the point guard, you're the guy that makes everything flow. You you can't be the odd man out. You got to be the guy that gets in the offense. So eventually, you know, I trust Chris Finch because he's shown the ability to be a good coach to figure that out. Go bear. You know, he's starting to get the ball more on offense. But like you mentioned it defensively, for the most part, they're fine. The rebounding has improved. Go bear was going to fix that. Uh, Edwards, I want to see him. Be that guy he kept talking about, you know, that all defensive team member, that guy who buys in on the defensive end. McDaniels is already that. I, I believe he's already an elite defender. You know, um, Edwards, I need you to be that. Those two guys have that ability. But nonetheless, Minnesota's fine where they're at. You know, you got some stinkers. I mean, the Spurs have been fucking taking dubs from a lot of teams. <laughs> Same thing with Utah. They've been taking random dubs. They'll fall down to earth eventually. But Minnesota, you know, they got... <laughs> The continuity, they got to get it right before the playoffs because that's when it matters the most. I mean, I pretty much agree with what you guys both said. I mean, Minnesota, the, the um, accusation of Rudy Gobert was definitely a big-time move. I mean, like you guys said, he's fixed the rebounding. I'm, if I'm not mistaken, I think he's leading the NBA in rebounding with 15 a game. Um, offensively, you know they're going to have some struggles. Uh, but so far, so I mean, so far they're 4-2. Definitely believe what Riff said, that they should have been 7-0. I don't think they should have lost that Utah game. Although Utah's been hot, it was an overtime game, so I'm not thinking too much of it. But um, for this Minnesota team, I do think shooting is going to be an issue down the road. As a team right now, they're shooting 33%. And like you say, they don't have any elite-level snipers. Maybe Carl Anthony Towns, you could consider him a sniper. He shoots 40% from three for his career. But, no, I think, can, can. but I think, but I think for this team to be like taken to the yeah sniper. right yeah. yeah he's a sniper yeah for 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 this team to be taken to the next level offensively, I do think that during the deadline, whenever that comes, I think they need to acquire shooting. However, that may need to be done. I think it needs to be done. I don't think they. Who do you move? Tareen Prince, Brent Forbes. Yeah. On the roster. Need to, I think they need more outside shooting. I mean, you being twentieth in the league, twentieth in the league in three point shooting in this era is not. It's not going to cut it. So, oh, D'Lo streaky. He's uh, never been like an elite. Yeah, he's, a, he's like shooter. a streaky shooter. He's a volume like, shooter. And yeah. then um. I think I will, we can consider Ant like a volume shooter, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Edwards. Absolutely. Cat's really. Cat's the only mm. floor spacer. I think if you add another 40% three-point shooter in that roster, I think it opens up their offense even more. Maybe the Nets make Joe Harris or somebody that like that available that they can keep s- that they can snag. I think that that would I think that, that would help their offense tremendously. Defensively, they're really good. I mean, like you said Jaden McDaniels is leading the team in blocks. He's been a good defender. Rudy Gobert is an elite defender. Anthony Edwards throughout his career, I've seen moments where he's shown flashes that he can be an elite defender. So I don't think Defensively, is a problem. I just think they need to really address shooting if this team wants to take the next step. It's either going to be leave spot players already on the roster, or it's going to be a point guard change because their positions are locked in on the starting lineup outside of the point guard. D'Lo's the only one who's on the bubble. He's been the odd man out for a while now. Yeah, he's the only one that he's in a contract year. He's not a long term option, or he's not a long term guy for the Timberwolves. They don't view him as that. 
So he's the only one that I feel like is is replaceable <clears throat> within the lineup that they can acquire a shooter and maybe a better floor general at the point guard position. Next up, the Atlanta Hawks. They're four and one right now. They're going to face the Bucks tonight at eight p.m., which they're undefeated. But the Hawks haven't been great teams, right? They've beaten the Pistons, the Magic twice, they the beat Rockets. Who they should be. Yeah, but early on, seventh in offensive rating, eleventh in defensive rating. Everybody talked about the fit between Trey Young and Dejounte Murray in the offseason. Is that going to fit? Because Trey Young is ball dominant. His usage is through the roof. I know you're a Hawks guy, Riv. So, what are your early thoughts on the Atlanta Hawks? Well, for starters, you mentioned it. Um, they they look fine together. You know, Trey Young being able to play off ball, Dejounte being able to play off ball. They look fine together. Um, the defense has mightily improved, but. It's hard to really judge this team because, like you said, they haven't really played anybody. You know, they played Detroit, who was a young team, but still not that good. They played Charlotte. LaMelo is not playing right now, and they're still not that good. So they their schedule has been a bit of a cakewalk, but you got to get those Ws. You know, they played the Rockets, a young, scrappy team, but not a good team. Tonight it's going to be, you know, the Bucks. What are they going to look like? This is going to be the test where what do they look like against the Bucks? You know, offensively. The Hawks have always been a good offense. When you have Trey Young on your team, he's one of those guys that can will you into a top 15 offense by himself. So you bring in DeJounte, a guy who is a good playmaker, a good cutter, and off the catch and shoot, he can shoot the three ball. That's somebody that can help. You can see them integrate their game. Even, you know, A.J. Griffin and his small parts and his, you know, his little early minutes, he looks really good. Onyeka, I can't wait till he starts. You know, he's going to be huge for them. But this team is hard to judge because of the fact that they haven't played teams that really warrant any challenge. But I will say DeJounte and Trey look good, but they haven't faced no real adversity, if the word I want to use. They haven't faced any real pressure. Or tonight, competition. Yeah, t- yeah, tonight is the pressure. You play Drew Holiday. You play the Bucs. That's going to be... From there on now, it gets yeah, tough. That, Their that's schedule when, gets really That's tough. when it's going to be see how where the cracks and the slips in this Atlanta Hawks team. So this is where they regress. What you tell okay. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't think they'll... I would hope not, but... You know. I actually found this funny about the Hawks. So Trey Young's averaging 29 points per game and 10.6 assists per game, and he hasn't shot well yet. So once that efficiency goes up, Trey Young's numbers are going to look much more better. DeJounte is averaging 19.8 points per game and 7.6 assists per game. So we have Trey and DeJounte. He had two stinkers. <laughs> together, they're averaging about 18-plus assists per game. The third player in assists per game on the Hawks, can you guess who that is? John Collins. Dennis Bogdanovic? No. DeAndre? No. Don't tell me it's Clint fucking Capella. No. Oh, then I don't know. It's Justin Holiday. Ew. At 2.2 assists per game. So they, yeah. they run the everything They run everything through the guards, the point yeah. guards. Which means that... The, they the, need a backup. It's, Do they split their minutes? I haven't really watched they them stagger. much this year. They yeah. stagger them? Okay. Mm-hmm. So it's Trey Young 10.6, DeJounte 7.6, and then 2.2 <laughs> assists per game. Yeah. Which means that everybody is touch Every... Nobody's touching the ball on offense in terms of creation. Uh, the creation is going solely through Trey Young and Dejounte. That's the only yeah, two guys that creation are creation for others because yeah. Bogey, you know, he get hit a little. They are the only two guys on the team that are creating for themselves and for others, and their usage is extremely high. I think the positives about Atlanta is that Trey Young's playing off the ball more, which means that he's taking a a different role offensively, something that we didn't know if he would be taking. He's averaging three times more off-ball screens than he did last season. And I think that was the biggest question mark. But now it's really about how they look against top teams. And they have the talent. DeAndre Hunter, John Collins, Clint Capella, they have a good 
supporting cast they're around fine. Trey and DeJounte. And I think a good sign for Atlanta is that they're 11th in defensive rating. And how, how they finish some of these games has been impressive because they finish some of these games, some of these wins, with defense at the end of the game. DeJounte making a big defensive play, which seals them a win. And that is something that last year you got to get into shootouts. And this year they're a, they're a team that is much more comfortable in getting into these nail bodies because they feel like they can get stops at the end of the game. I mean, like you guys said, the fit so far, is they're five, they're four and one. The fit looks all right. You said he's averaging, uh, DeJounte Murray's averaging seven and a half assists. Trey Young's averaging his nine assists a game. Trey Young's also playing more off ball. Obviously, Trey Young's a very streaky shooter. He's a volume shooter. So I expect the efficiency to go up. Um, but like you guys said, I mean, they haven't really been battle tested, but from here on now, after Milwaukee, they play Milwaukee, Toronto, New Orleans, Milwaukee, a Philly back to back, Milwaukee, Boston, Toronto, Cleveland. That's Did you say Milwaukee three times? They they play Milwaukee. No yes, Milwaukee three times. They play on the 29th, November seventh, and then November fourteenth. Oh, so, so they're like gonna a they're, game. they're gonna be really this is gonna be a, a huge stretch to determine how good the team is. Like you said, it's good that these two Guys are in the Atlanta Hawks are taking care of business against teams that they're supposed to take care of. But I mean, we're going to find out a lot about this team coming up. They're playing a lot of playoff teams, even Philadelphia, while their record is bad, they're two and four. They're still a very uh, comparable opponent. I mean, James Harden is looking great this year, so it's going to be a good test for them. Um, I guess I guess I understand why people are having reservations towards this team. But I think after this this month of basketball, they finish out with Cleveland after all these games, and then they start going down playing the, you know, bottom feeders of the NBA. But for the most part, this stretch right here is going to say a lot about this team. I like the Trey Young and DeJounte Murray fit, and, you know, I'm going to say I'm going to have reservations on them because I'm going to tune into them because they're going to play a lot of tough NBA teams coming up. The Cavaliers got Donovan Mitchell, and they <sighs> traded superstar Laurie Markkinen and what? role player Colin Sexton to Utah Jazz. What you say? Superstar? Superstar Laurie Markkinen. <laughs> now, the Cavaliers got Donovan Mitchell. Beast. And unfortunately, Darius Garland got injured the first game against the Raptors. Oh, my God. But with that being said, Donovan Mitchell has led this team offensively. They're 4-1. and And they have impressive wins against the Celtics, the Magic, the Wizards, the Bulls. Donovan Mitchell and Karis Levert went off. Did you say the fucking Magic? <laughs> Yesterday's win was super impressive. Yeah, no, I just mentioned their four wins. Oh, because you said impressive, and then you said the now the Celtics three teams the named and then the, you yeah, you said the, the magic. magic. The Celtics, <laughs> Wizards, and Bulls are impressive. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. All right, yeah. you said the Magic. I was like, what the fuck? The Mitch and Karis both had forty against the Boston Celtics the other night, and I don't. Th- we haven't seen this team with Garland and Mitchell, but right now, how I view the Cavaliers is similar to how I viewed them last year, with. Donovan Mitchell has basically just taken Garland's place thus far in the offense. And he's he's a better player than Garland right now. Yep. So the offense looks better. He's averaging 31 points per game, 6.4 assists. I, I will say Evan Mobley hasn't been sub, super impressive. He's been good. Defensively, Defensively he's, been he's been elite. But I kind of <clears throat> wish that he take, took another offensive leap. But I think with Cleveland, it's just – the biggest question mark for them all season is going to be the wing. That, that's really it. Because right now they have a rotation of wings of Dean Wade, Shetty Osman, and, and Kevin Love. And Isaac Okoro, has, his playtime has been diminishing because he can't hit a shot. He's 0 for 8 from 3. He's averaging 15 minutes per game. And of all players that have played 50 or more minutes, he has the least amount of points this season so far. 
And he's somebody that it feels like because of his offensive limitations, they're just not playing him anymore. It doesn't matter how good or great he is defensively. But Cleveland looks very, very good. And they look like a team that once Darius Garland comes back, once you have those two creators in Garland and Mitchell, they're going to be one of the formidable and best teams in the Eastern Conference because even without Garland, they look like they can compete with anybody on any single given night. Do we still have um, that that topic with the takes? Or you took it out? I took it out. Okay, good. So I'll just say it here. Um, yeah, I'm going to double down even more on my take that uh, the Cavs are going to the Eastern Conference Finals. Like, I, I'm, I'm going to pretty much stand on that. They're top 10 in offense and defense. Like you mentioned, we haven't even seen the growth of this offense because Darius Garland got hurt like 18 minutes in or some shit like that in the first game. So Donovan Mitchell, like you said, has just taken on that role, but he's already he's a better scorer than Garland is at this point. Karis LeVert had 40 against Boston. 40 points. Him and Donovan Mitchell, they both had 40. So when you can get offensive explosion like that, and Garland, your point guard hasn't even come back. I think this team is, like you said, the wings is going to be an issue, especially in the playoffs when you got to see Boston. you got to see um, teams like Milwaukee, yes, but I think the Twin Towers are okay. You know, I think when you have the Evan Mobley, who, like you said, he hasn't been offensively, he hasn't been that guy you want to be, but he's been elite on the defensive end, along with Jared Allen. I think Milwaukee's an okay matchup. They'll still lose, I think, but that's an okay matchup as opposed to, like, a team against Philly when you need a wing to guard Harden or a team against Boston when you need a wing to guard the uh, the Jays. So it's like a team like that they would struggle with. But when you have offense like Donovan Mitchell, when you have offense like Darius Garland, when he gets back, I think this is a team that can definitely take their game to the next level. And that wing position is something that is probably going to hold them back down the road. But I think this is a team with – if they get the proper spacing in the playoffs, the proper seating, and the proper adjustment, this is a team that you can see go to the Eastern Conference based off matchups alone. I mean, I definitely agree with you. We haven't we haven't seen Darius Garland implemented with this group. Um, I'm pretty sure when he comes back, the offense is going to take even more of a, much more of a leap because he can create his own shot and he's a dynamic playmaker. Um, I felt like this was going to happen with Donovan Mitchell all along. I know the type of work that he's put in. I know the type of player that he is dating back to his Utah days so it's no surprise to me that he's averaging 31 and leading this team what has surprised me and I was a little scared about uh with this Cavaliers team is their defense and I still have some questions how they're gonna hide Darius Garland but I mean so far defensively they've been good it looks like the Mobley and Allen pairing down low clean up a lot of the 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 blow bys that happened for with uh Donovan Mitchell, Mitchell. Really good defenders, yeah. yeah he's he's definitely improved this year but uh, I've been impressed with that. I didn't think they would be a top 10 defense and, and offense. Well, offensively, I know they were going to be a great offensive team, but defensively, I was suspect on them. So far, they've, they've shown me that they can be formidable. I have to obviously see with Darius Garland back because he's not the best defender. Um, another thing that stood out to me on this team is that they're one of the best three-point shooting teams in the entire NBA. As a team, so far, they shoot 42%. I mean, Donovan Mitchell shooting 40%. Karis LeVert shooting 55% of the three. Osman, 41. Not it's not going to last, but shooting-wise, they've been, they've been spectacular. He shoots 55% from three and like 37%. 37% from the field. Yeah, it's, it's weird. I always thought that was like I always thought that was weird that you have such a low field goal percentage, but the harder, more farther shot, the three-point percentage, you're more efficient I think efficient that's like Fred VanVleet. I think that's him. Like, it's definitely Fred. similar um, shot percentages. So I can't wait to see Darius Garland come back to his team. Can they make the Eastern Conference Finals? They definitely can. I mean, we know how good, great of a player Donovan Mitchell is in the postseason. Even in his one playing game last year, Darius Garland looked like a great player. I feel like his game translates into the playoffs. Karis LeVert, for 
majority of his career, when it comes to the playoffs, he also elevates too. So I think that this is a team that's going to oppose nightmares for everybody. This isn't a team that I wouldn't want to face in the first or second round. I do think that they have the talent to go to the Eastern Conference Finals. But then again, I got to see how they integrate Darius Garland, and I got to see how the defense, if the defense still stays top 10 with him in the starting lineup. The Cavaliers are second in net rating this year, seventh in defensive rating, and 20th in offensive rating. Now, we talked about three teams that made blockbuster moves. A team that was integrating a player that should have been a huge integration was the Brooklyn Nets with Ben Simmons. And Ben Simmons didn't have his best of games the other day versus Dallas. Definitely played much better than he has in previous games. But Kyrie Irving defended him post-game and said, we should all cut Ben Simmons slack for his poor start because he hasn't played in, in a long time. Now, JC, I know that you were very high on Ben Simmons. You used to think he could become an MVP candidate level player <laughs> in the NBA. So I, I want to ask you, because you're a Nets fan, Ben Simmons plays for your team. How do you feel about Ben Simmons so far and what he's been offering? <sighs> All right, so, so far, I mean, I get the five games argument, but I don't think that's really an excuse for me. Ben Simmons, he doesn't <laughs> like to attack the basket for whatever reason. He's athletically gifted. He's 6'10". Super fast, doesn't like to attack the basket, uh, doesn't attack. The offense is weird because he's a weird person to run your offense around. All he does is run to Kyrie or Kevin Durant, the only isolation scorers on the team, sets a screen, doesn't roll to the basket because he's afraid of going to the basket, and he's not a threat from mid-range or three-point line. So a lot of a lot of the defense is key in and double-team Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant. Steve Nash still seems... As inept as a coach as ever, he hasn't even tried to put Ben Simmons in, in positions to succeed. He hasn't tried mixing up the starting five. I mean, Claxton, Ben Simmons, offensively, that's just disgusting to watch. Um, and, you know, Ben Simmons defensively, everybody, a lot of people, and while it was warranted because he was a great defender in Philly, I mean, he's been getting, he's been getting cooked. I mean, John Moran gave him 40. Pascal Siakam gave him 37. Not all 37, but a lot of them were on him. Luka Doncic was bullying him. Giannis Antetokounmpo, for the most part, he held him in check in the first half. The second half, Giannis had 30 points, majority of them being on him. So he hasn't been able to offer anything offensively. And defensively, he's been getting annihilated by the uh, by these superstars in NBA, who, in which if the Nets want to contend, which I think it's over for that, I don't think they have a chance. But if they want to contend, you're going to have to go see those type of players and defend them on a nightly basis or for a series. I haven't seen anything impressive with Ben Simmons. Free throw shooting is 44%. Defensively, he's not there. I don't know if it's from his lingering back surgery that he had in the offseason um, or it's him just being nervous. I think it's a mixture of everything right now. I think Steve Nash is not putting him in positions to succeed. I think he's not being aggressive. And I think that they have to experiment other ways with him. I don't think it's smart to have him bring up a, bringing up the basketball. The person who's guarding him guards him at the free throw line. No movement. He just doesn't do anything. The offense is stagnant with him. It's like a four-on-five out there, to be honest with you. And then defensively, like I said, he hasn't been anything spectacular defensively. Um, So it's been very disappointing. It's five games. I get Kyrie saying that he's his teammate. He doesn't want to throw him under the bus. But even Kyrie Irving the other day when he had an open layup, he's like, yo, shoot it, Ben. This guy's scared to shoot the ball, and he just looks like a shell of himself. Um, I can just tell that he lacks confidence on the basketball court. And everybody who plays basketball or has played basketball knows that if you're not a confident basketball player, everything that you do, is your, your whole game is going to be limited. And I think that's what we're seeing with Ben Simmons right now.
Ah, <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it just <laughs> I just find it so funny because we were at this table in the summer and a fellow co-host to the left of me, he believed in Brooklyn. You know, he, he believed in the Ben Simmons adjustment. And everybody, not this part, maybe not him, maybe he did say this, I don't know. Everybody thought Ben Simmons was this monumental defender that completely changes a defense. He completely does what Rudy Gobert does. He turns a garbage oh. defense into a really good one. No, that's not how I that goes. I think the lack of Brooklyn having, I think Joel Embiid saved them a lot having a rim protector like that in Brooklyn. Brooklyn doesn't have any rim protector, so it's you're asking double the work from him. I thought about that, and I was like. I honestly think that's true. It's possible, but why does, people compare Ben Simmons to Draymond Green, right? And they say they're the same type of player. You know, Draymond Green's very impactful, even though he may not have. He can have two points, and he's probably the most impactful guy in court, right? Definitely. Um, and people thought, well, Ben Simmons can play that role in Brooklyn. He can be the Draymond. Well, the difference between those situations, why people were, were wrong about that, is because Draymond Green is in the system. Steve Kerr has implemented a system that helps Draymond succeed, and Draymond is very good at it. Mind you, he also has two of the greatest shooters we've ever seen running around all day, and Draymond finds them. And Draymond is also aggressive at times. With Ben Simmons, you can you see, and this is not, I'm not even saying this as a, this is not, this is not all Ben Simmons' fault. Not. Same thing how I said with Westbrook. I don't think he should be the scapegoat. Same thing with Ben Simmons. I don't think he should be the scapegoat. Is he, he is the number one problem, but it's not just Ben Simmons, Ben Simmons, For Ben sure. Simmons. Nash cannot coach. At all. He has not put Ben in the right position to see it, even though there isn't many spots where Ben Simmons can succeed in. I remember people were talking about, put him in the dunker spot. Okay, well, Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irvin, as great of a score as they are, aren't these type of playmakers that really put others in the position to succeed. I don't think Kyrie is that type of playmaker. I don't think Kevin Durant is that type of playmaker in Brooklyn. Just talking about specifically Brooklyn, right? So then you have that. Ben Simmons has always had the ball in his hands in Philly. Now you put him in a position where those other two guys need the ball in their hands to make it happen. What is Ben out there doing? Setting screens, like you said, he doesn't roll. He can't shoot, so he can't pick and pop. He's not really aggressive, so you don't even want him rolling because his man might get in the way, and you're just getting double teamed. Okay, offensively, you get him the ball. Who's guarding him? Well, the guy's guarding him is standing 5, 10 feet back. What is he going to do? Probably a handoff to a shooter or oh, pass to somebody else. He's not going to be aggressive. He puts no pressure on the defense to adjust. So the fact that he doesn't do that makes the offense kind of be a little bit one-dimensional, which Brooklyn's offense has been Absolutely. for the past two, three seasons. And, of course, Nash does not help that because he is a coach where, if we're being honest, when he was a basketball player, he had a system implemented Dan for Tony him. System. He had a Dan Tony system where his skills match with another person's. Now, he's a smart very smart basketball player. I'm not saying that, but that system helped him be what he was. Well, he was great in Dallas. He helped him be an MVP. Exactly. So he deserved it. But I don't think you know Ben Simmons has to get the slack because that's our jobs at the end of the day. You know, all the extra shit. I understand you don't have to attack his character, but he hasn't been playing good. He's fouled out in most of his games. He hasn't scored much. He hasn't been aggressive. And like you said, defensively, he hasn't been a great rim protector. He hasn't been great at the point of attack. He just hasn't been good. Has he not played in a year? Yes, he has not played in Coming years. Coming back surgery. Yeah, so you have to give him that time to adjust, but he hasn't been good so far. And that's the same with all the players that's coming back from injury. Kawhi looks good in his limited minutes. You know, Jamal's still trying to get it going. Zion looks amazing. So you, 
we even though these guys are coming back, we still have to give them the proper critique. And Ben Simmons being in a position where he's playing off of two other guys, you have to be a little better. Ben Simmons right now in Brooklyn is averaging 5.4 field goal attempts per game. In Philly, the lowest it reached ever was 10. What year was that? This past year ah. in Philly. Which means that he's taking half of his shots in Philly is what he's taking in, in, in Brooklyn. Ben Simmons deserves slack, but I think we have to realize this is who he is. He openly admitted that he struggled with mental health and in his recovery process. I don't think that it's insane to say that he just doesn't take basketball as serious as he once took it, and he just doesn't feel like it's as important to his sanity. There are players that how they perform – is their mental be- well-being. Them performing well is them fe- feeling mentally well about themselves. With Ben Simmons, he might have reached a point where basketball is one of the last things that he really cares about. And whether he has two points or he has 20, he's going to go home to the same house with a smile on his face <laughs> and say, Kemba Walker. I'm fine. I Like, it's yeah, it's cool. It's, it's, it's just a game. And I do think... <laughs> I do think being in Brooklyn is going to help that a little bit because it's not this gigantic market. We know that New York is, but the fans are not as crazy as Philly fans. They are not as hard on you as Knicks fans. (coughs) It's it's a low-key spot. The Nets also aren't an organization or a destination that can reconstruct a career. And I think Ben Simmons is in need of reconstructing his career and starting it from the ground up. And when you have bad coaching, when you have bad management, when you have bad ownership, you saw Joe Sy calling out Kyrie Irving on Twitter the other day, Yesterday. which maybe it was warranted, maybe it wasn't. But at the same time, I think that's a private conversation you have with Kyrie Irving. You don't take it to the public eye. The Nets are finished. The, the, the Brooklyn Nets are finished. Kyrie and Katie are scoring at historic levels, and they can't win. They don't have the depth. Defense is a problem, rebounding, leadership, coaching. I feel like the Nets have to cut their losses, and they have to trade Kevin Durant, even if it's not a package that they want. Maybe get a borderline all-star player and a young player for Kevin Durant. And you know what? Let, let's have the Nets be a fun team. Let's trade Kyrie Irving to the Lakers, and let's take on Westbrook's last final year. And then just have this team be Westbrook oriented mm-hmm. with some shooters. With ben Simmons. And, and let's see what. <laughs> oh my God, with Ben Simmons. Bro. And let's see what the Westbrook can do. <laughs> oh my God. Ben Simmons, Westbrook, and Claxton starting is crazy. I'm going to scream every night. That's going to be crazy. And I would, I, if I was Brooklyn, I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind trading Ben either. I'd explore that avenue. I don't even think it'd be an offer out there for him right yeah, now. Yeah, I don't think he's really caught the eye of any franchise right now. But I do think playing. the Nets, they took a huge risk when they tore apart that Dinwiddie, D'Lo, Levert, Allen, Nets team with Kenny Atkinson. This was the risk that, you know, when, when you try to build a championship team, you get these star players, you trade picks to acquire other players, and now you're left with no cap space, you're left with not a ton of picks, which means now if you don't feel like this team can win a championship legitimately – you cut your losses and you try to get anything as you can for them can. back. 
I, because Kyrie is not going to come back to Brooklyn. He's done. I, I, I think it. contract year, especially after what the owner said yesterday. Yeah, the owner is. He's been playing good though. The owner yeah. has thrown him under the bus plenty multiple of times, times too. I, I feel like the, it's the Nets just have to cut their losses, and I don't think. This is it's a, not I don't a, think Brooklyn cares if you come. This is a salvageable situation. It's not, a, it's not like you said, I 100% agree with you all. It's not a desirable uh, destination right now. I mean, with those guys there, with Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, we all knew before that was going to happen that it was going to probably be drama-filled, but I didn't imagine it being this much yeah. drama within or And adding in, Ben Simmons. You brought in two guys that have never been culture builders. So it's like you true. brought in two guys that were – like Kevin Durant coming from a culture in Golden State, Kyrie coming from LeBron, two guys who aren't culture builders. You built the foundation with D'Lo, Dinwiddie, Levert, Allen. Jared Allen. You built the foundation. Kenny Atkinson. The, the fans fell in love with that foundation, and they rode for that team. Then you got greedy. You got trigger happy, which I would have probably done the same thing at that time too. 99% of the world would. Maybe like a 1%. Well, getting James Harden? Getting, getting Kevin Durant first to start. Getting Kevin Durant, getting Kyrie. You make that move 10 times out of 10 at that moment. For sure. Because those two guys are the guys at that time. Hindsight in 20, obviously, it's a bad move. But you did what any organization would have did. It just didn't work out. Yeah. Now you start fresh. You build from the bottom. And you build that organization. You, you build from the draft. Build from the start. You see now free agency trading that shit didn't work for you. Now you have to build the culture. You have to build an organization. Rebuild it. Well, yeah. Yeah, no, you have to build one. You don't have nothing. No, like we had we had one. We lost it. Yeah, it's like starting from ground zero again. It's yeah, you have to. You got to start fresh and build that culture. I mean, like you see the Knicks and they're building a culture. They're yeah. building a foundation. They're starting fresh. You see the Golden State. They didn't build the culture, built the foundation. You have to start fresh, build the culture. I wasn't. I don't. I don't know. I wasn't that big of a fan of Kevin Durant requesting the trade and just having him come back. I mean, if you see his post game conferences, honestly, from what I see, obviously, I'm not a like a like a body language reader, but from mm. what I see, he's not as animated as he was the first couple of years. Why would you be? You're playing for a coach that you wanted fired. You're playing for a GM that you don't like. I mean, like, it, it almost seems like it's just it's forced at this point. And I'd be surprised if they don't pick it up. I'd be surprised if KD and or Kyrie, one of them, presumably Kevin Durant's probably moved yeah, but before the, the deadline. At the same time, you two forced your way to Brooklyn. So you can't, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. You can't play, like, I get to playing devil's advocate. But this is good ultimately thing, what yeah, I wanted. Good thing for the for the Nets, if they do want to trade Kevin Durant, I mean, he's he's second in the league in scoring right now. He's always going to be that You also scorer. don't have your pick. Well, it's a pick swap. We have yeah we have picks. we have Philly's pick but they're probably gonna turn it around too. But yeah, you have the pick. It just swap, doesn't. So. It, it just right now it just looks like it's all falling down and. Oh, uh, you hurt? No, <laughs> it is what it is. I got the Jets. <laughs> 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 they're building something. Yeah, yeah that's the culture. Look, <laughs> yeah, they're, they're building, building something. Fucking great culture. Yeah, the Nets cut ties though, man. I agree with you guys because Ben Simmons has been so bad. I think it's the perfect time for a would you rather. Oh man. So this is. Would you rather Ben Simmons edition, first name up, Bruce Brown? I hate both. Bruce Brown. Bruce Brown. Sadly. Draymond Green. Draymond, Draymond Green. Lonzo Ball. Lonzo. Lonzo Ball. Alex Caruso. Alex. I like Alex. Honestly, right now, yeah, Alex. Jared Vanderbilt. I'll take Ben. I don't think you asked me about this one. I'll take Vando. You You're not it. taking Vando? Vando's I would good. take Vando. Vando's a really good rebound. Give me Vando. Give me Vando. You didn't, I'm Vando. saying you didn't ask me about this one, though. Jarek White. <laughs> give, me, give me fucking Ben. <laughs> uh, I'll take Ben Simmons. Kyle Anderson. Ooh. 
Slow-mo? Give me slow-mo. I'll take slow-mo. Grant Williams. Give me Grant. I've seen him go one-on-one with Giannis. Give me Grant. Nah, I'll take him, Ben. Give me Grant. And last name, Bobby Portis. Milwaukee. No, I know, but this was just an odd one. Um, right now, last two. Give me Bobby, though. Bobby a bucket. <laughs> give me Bobby. Damn. Ben I'll is t- dead stinky. I'll take, right from what I've seen, I'll take Bobby, too, right now. <laughs> I'm not taking Grant Williams over Ben. That's to me, that's insanity. Wow, right now, he can now. space floor. He can play defense. He can guard. Yeah, like he's he, a role player. That's so what Ben Simmons is looking like right now. But Ben ain't even a role player. I right mean, now. If, like I'm just seeing it as Grant Williams is like Grant Williams, the will Nets. Fit, Grant Williams will fit better for your team than Ben Simmons. Fact. Is he a better player? No, he just fits better. I thought that's who's the better player. Right. Nah, it's who would you rather? Oh, on my squad. Yeah. Oh yeah, give me Grant. Yeah, you can shoot the three. Would rather Ben over Derek White. Yes. Yeah, I don't like. I'm not a fan of Derek White. Yeah, like that. yeah me too. Good player though. I'd solid. rather been over. Uh, solid Derek player White. though. Yeah. This week in the NBA, I have two this week in the NBA's. I think my first one is just two players. Just you know, want to. I give, swear to God, if you say what I'm going to say, I'm going to be pissed off. Jalen Brunson. Okay. Eighteen point six points per game, four point two rebounds, seven point two assists per game. The Knicks are playing some good basketball. Our pace is up from a year ago. Our assisted turnover ratio. Jalen Brunson has really commanded this offense, and he looks like the all-star point guard I thought he was. And he he probably can be this season if the Knicks continue to play well. Miami came back. Second player is none other than the great Christian Wood. Oh, okay. And Christian Wood, 21 points per game, eight rebounds, and only 25 minutes per game. It's clear. Jason Kidd has to give him more minutes. But in the offseason, I, I talked about how seamless of a fit that Christian Wood and Luka were. And it, it's just evident when you watch them play. There is a highlight of Luka Doncic driving to the basket and throwing a lob to Christian Wood. And it resembles Kobe's lob to Shaq versus the Trailblazers in the Western Conference Finals. <laughs> and I just thought older generations had Kobe and Shaq. Mm. We have Luca and Wood. <laughs> Thought it was supposed to be Harden and Embiid. That was crazy. Remember um, when he said that? Yeah. <laughs> um, my this week in the NBA is, is same thing as you. I'm just giving a highlight to a performance. 44 points, 15 for 20, 9 for 12 from the three-point line. Tyrese fucking Maxi, he's he's had these trends of Dog. these big games against Toronto. You saw in the playoffs, he had the thirty point explosion, um. But just last night, he was just unconscious. He couldn't miss. He he went he went a hundred percent in the first half. I believe he went nine for nine, twenty four points in the first half. I remember that on the dot. But he was amazing. He's stepped up his game. I'm waiting for the big all star leap from Tyrese Maxi because I think he's going to be a great player. Definitely an all-star caliber player. So I wanted to give some shout-outs to Tyrese Maxey. And um, the fucking Chicago Bulls. What the fuck is wrong with Zach Levine's leg? I mean, he's not playing. He wasn't. He was probable for tonight. He didn't play against the Spurs. Lonzo, he actually was doing workouts the other day. Io DeSuno, he has a something humorous contusion or something like that. Andre Drummond is out. Like This team has three, two to three guys out. Every single other night we play, and Zach seems like he's on load management. I'm gonna be honest with this load management stuff. We don't, we're not a team where we can just go out there and beat teams without our roster, as evidence us losing to the fucking Spurs. Um, we need every guy all hands on deck if you want to get a playoff spot. So this load management thing, I'm not cool with. But that was my this week in the NBA. You do need your guys because the Wizards are coming. No facts, we need <laughs> and our the guys. The Knicks are coming. Wait till you start playing, people. 
Wait until RJ Barrett starts playing better. That's what you should be asking for real. Who'd you beat? Oh, we beat some good teams. Detroit? <laughs> Charlotte? Yeah. You lost to Memphis, right? We beat the Magic. You beat the Magic? Yeah. That's a great team. Didn't they win a game yet? They won, they won last they night. Won. They did win a game. One yeah. and six? One yeah. and five? One and five. It's very cute. We beat the Heat. Beat the Memphis Grizzlies. We beat the Heat and the Celtics. We lost to the Wizards. We beat the Heat and Celtics. Word. We got some big wins. We, <laughs> we were actually down 20. We have Jalen Brunson, though. We have DeMar. Okay, we Wait. have Julius Randle. Didn't you say DeMar was going to fall off? <laughs> I think you said that. I think he's had a couple of bad games for sure. Oh, he had one, maybe two. But you said he was going to fall off. It's been good. I mean, he's averaging twenty six point two. Last year, I was twenty seven point nine. He you, is falling off. Sick, <laughs> sick guy. You see, you see what's wrong with him? Oh man, he has one point right now. What's the score? What quarter? It's the first quarter. <laughs> oh, he said that like it was like yeah, the third. Like, <laughs> He's had a game. Oh with my God! Fred had points. like one point the Fred other day. Fred was zero for eleven the other day. Yeah, he had a free throw. He, you can say he had one point. Demar just started the game. What's the score? I don't know. Oh. He's played four minutes. All right. Um, <clears throat> my this week in the NBA. Sure. Just want to give him a shout out because this is a guy I kind of for a while. I want to. I don't want to say disrespecting him, but I haven't been much of a fan of him. Damian Lillard. Um, he's obviously out right now for a week, two weeks, but. Before he went down, he was averaging 31 points, and he was shooting lights out, had a couple 40-point games. And the Portland Trailblazers right now are 5-1, and one, sitting at the top of the Western Conference. They look like a really, really good team. Anthony Simons, I watch him. Very exciting young player. The addition of Jeremy Grant seems good. Nurkic is a solid five. Um, so I just want to pay my respects to Damian Lillard because he is a guy, if you do know me and have talked talk to me, I'm not really a fan of his. I kind of throw that overrated card. But for him to come back from an injury like that, I think that's nothing short of spectacular. I was saying that he was probably on a downfall last year, but clearly how he's opened up this season with 240 balls, averaging 31 efficiently, it was it was evident that it was an injury that was holding him back, and he's been playing great basketball. So I want to give credit where credit's due and highlight uh, Damian Lillard. Hopefully he comes back from his injury a week or two, and Portland keeps rolling because right now they're 5-1, and one and they look really good. And the Blazers, yeah, they look very, very good. How long is Dame out? Like a week, oh, one okay. to two weeks. In the Western Conference, there are two teams that stick out to me as teams that a lot of people overlook coming into the season, whether it be for drama reasons or for maybe this team didn't make enough moves in the offseason. Those are the Memphis Grizzlies and the Phoenix Suns. Out of of these two teams, which team have you been more impressed with to start the season, and which team do you feel like has, has been more overlooked coming into the season? I think Phoenix. And I think because Phoenix has accomplished a little bit more over Memphis, so like let's let's run it back real quick in history. You know, top two seed for the past two years. I think last year they broke their franchise record for 64. most wins. Yeah, you get in first seed, you go and lead. before that number two seed, you beat the Lakers, then you go out, you stomp on Denver, and then you beat the Clippers. You know, granted people got hurt, but a win is a win. Then you go out, you go to the finals, you lose in six to the Bucks. Understandable. The next season, you follow up a finals appearance with sixty four wins. You go into the playoffs, first seed, Pelicans give you a fight, but you end up coming out of there in six, and then Luka embarrasses you game seven. You didn't really lose anything. You know, Jay Crowder, he doesn't want to play, but then DeAndre Aiden, he doesn't really want to be there. You kind of see in their their press conferences, it's kind of like weird, the energy's off. Then your owner's doing some weird shit. So, like, the energy's just off in Phoenix, right? So we're all thinking, you know, coming out, I think that was one of our few – you know, group things that we all thought the Suns would be a playing team. I thought they weren't going to make the playoffs. Oh, I'm so I, oh, oh, I'm right. so serious. Shit, 
Well, I think, well, we all thought there would be a plane, and some of us thought they might not make the playoffs. You know, a plane is a one-game thing, you know, but coming in, they stomped on the Warriors. You know, they got some. They got a, a huge comeback win against Dallas, the team that just stomped them out. You know, they've been impressive offensively. They look the same. You know, Chris Paul is not the same guy, but he looks okay. Devin Booker looks like he stepped up his game. Aiton looks really, really good. Cam Johnson looks fine in that role. So I think when you put that all together, Jock Landale had a good game against the Golden State Warriors the other day. He was feasting on them. So I think Phoenix has to be the team for me because as much as we love Memphis and what they've done, Phoenix is the team that's actually done something for the past two seasons. You know, they've been impressive. They've been to a finals. They've had an All-NBA player. They've had Devin Booker in the top six MVP voting. So they had everything. And people still thought, nah, this team's going to fall off. Even when they were winning, because I was one of those people, I don't believe in this team. This team is a fraud. So I think for me, it's got to be Phoenix. I mean, he just reiterated everything I felt about Phoenix. I didn't think, I thought with the DeAndre and turmoil, I thought them matching the contract that the Indiana Pacers had set out for him, I thought that wasn't going to sit well. When I saw the interview of the reporter asking him, had had he spoken to, to Monty Williams and saying he hasn't spoken to him all summer, the regression of Chris Paul as a player, I saw it from last year. This year, as a score, he's only averaging nine points, ten and a half assists. But I just thought that Chris Paul's age, the locker room, you know, the 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 tension between DeAndre Ayton and the organization and the coach. Obviously, Sarver doing the stuff that he did. I mean, I just thought that this team was just stuck in no man's land. I thought that even when they offered Chris Paul that contract, I thought him as a 38 year old I thought their best chance to win a title were those last two years I thought this year it would all implode I thought they would end up training DeAndre and it's five games so far they're four and one but just based off everything that I I I just thought that this team was just going to implode just because of all the offseason drama I mean it's kind of I don't want to say it was kind of like the Brooklyn Nets in a way mm-hmm. but it like a player openly saying, like, yo, I haven't talked to my coach. I'm not really talking to him. And him oh, they getting upset. They didn't speak. They didn't speak. I would think that it would have the same effect that it has had on the Brooklyn Nets with their toxic environment. I thought that it would rub off on the Phoenix Suns. But like you said, this is the team that won 64 games last year. This is the team that made the NBA Finals. Lost in six, but they've shown flashes of being a great team. They have good players, a great coach. I think I, I messed up on this one, thinking <laughs> that they wouldn't make the playoffs or do anything. They've definitely surprised me. At first, I wanted to say that it was the Phoenix Suns. But the reason why I don't think it's the Phoenix Suns is simple. The Suns, it was very drama-related, drama-oriented, the reason why I thought they were going to fall off. Memphis was more so, I just don't think they made enough offseason moves and they lost Kyle Anderson. They lost some important pieces, so, you know, maybe they drop off. So it was more due to a lack of talent. But Memphis is once again proving that they have one of the best scouting and development systems in the NBA. It's as simple as that. Their defense has not been good this season, but granted right now, Jaron Jackson Jr. is not played, and he's a DPOY candidate. Their fifth in offensive rating, John Morant has taken, taken yet another leap in his game, and he is one of the he's amongst one of the, the elite scores in the NBA averaging 32 points per game. Desmond Bain, first couple of games, streaky. But last two, 31 against the Kings, 38 against the Nets. He's averaging 22.6. He's taken another leap in his game. You got guys like Santi Aldama. Came out of nowhere. Last year was drafted. Nobody thought who nobody knew who that was. <laughs> 
And now he's averaging 11 points per game early in the season. John Conchar has, has really produced. And Jake LaRavia the other night against the Kings, 13-9, rookie. I mean, the Memphis just has a knack for finding players, putting them in the perfect position, and everybody just buys into the role. They don't have a Minnesota-esque team where it's a lot of big names. Oh, Edwards, Gobert, Cat, D'Lo, or the Clippers, Kawhi, Paul George, John Wall, Wall etc. They don't have these star names, but they have a star, a superstar in Ja. And everybody else falls in line. Everybody else plays a role perfectly. And although Desmond Bain isn't this star, all-star player, he's a low-level all-star. I think that's what he is. Jaron Jackson is in that category as well. Everybody just plays a role perfectly. Taylor Jenkins is an elite coach. Zach Kleiman is an elite GM. And I think this team has been the best at not only drafting but developing players in the past couple of years. Would you say Desmond Bain is Chris Middleton-like? I think Devin Vassell is. No, not like game style. Like in terms of like low end all star, like the guy that compliments their superstar type. I think he yeah, is. I, I think, think he's I think in that the tier. Perfect fit next he's already one of the best two and two way players in the NBA. Elite shooter. Three and D players. Elite yeah, he's point shooter. He's yo, sniper classified. He killed my team. He gave us thirty eight. No, everybody chose your team. But um, he was just wilding on us. Yeah. Doesn't Bain would beat you in three point shooting contest. No shit. <laughs> 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 no shit. Yeah, no, um, why people are saying he's the next Chris Middleton or something? No, I just I, he said low end all star, and I thought of like Giannis. You got the prime superstar, and you got the low end guys that compliment your guy. And that same thing with Memphis, they got Jaron Jackson Jr. and Desmond Bain that compliment Ja. So, and when you do, when you're a low market team, you got to do shit like that. You got to yeah. draft the proper guys. And you know, Bucks didn't necessarily draft Middleton, necessarily draft Drew. He was a salary dump from the Pistons. Yeah, they got both the of those guys to fit next to Giannis, and then by the boom, by the bing, championship. The Pelicans are a young team in the Western Conference right now that they're in a similar trajectory as Memphis. They have a young star. They have draft picks. They're off to a solid start this season, although although Brendan Ingram and Zion have missed some games. But I look across their roster, 25 or younger players. Brendan Ingram, Herb Jones, Jose Alvarado, Zion, Trey Murphy, EJ Liddell, Dyson Daniels, Jackson Hayes. And they have the Lakers pick this upcoming season in the in the offseason. The Lakers are a team that can possibly be out of the playoffs. And if they are, that means the Pelicans have a shot at getting a top 10 pick in this draft. How dangerous do you think the Pelicans become if they can land another top prospect with this Lakers pick? I'm scared. I am fucking scared because if you look at this team, right, they just picked up Dyson Daniels, who has been a defensive wreck in his minutes. You got CJ McCollum, who's eight. His game is probably going to age like fine wine. You know, his game is built off athleticism, is built off skill, and he's a really good shooter. Then you got Zion Williamson. Like you said, Brandon Ingram, who's another one whose game is built off of his skill level. Then you got Jackson Hayes, who when Zion, when Brandon Ingram is there, that's when he plays his best. He's a really good young player. Then you got Herb Jones, defense. Trey Murphy, defense and offense. All these guys are still early in their contracts. And then you might bring in a possible top 10 pick in a loaded draft class. You could potentially get the number one pick. And you know what's crazy? Valanchunis is probably the odd man out. So if you get the number one pick, you can seamlessly pick Big Victor and 
Alan Lechuza can either walk or, you know, come off the bench, whatever. But that spot is filled. I think that's what the situation is. Pelicans are in a great position because they have a they have the three filled up. They have the four filled up with Brandon Ingram with Zion. The point guard in the center are the spots where it's like, okay, we have two aging guys. CJ's probably going to last long. I think they just gave him an extension, if I'm not mistaken. Valanchunas. You got guards coming. You just picked up Dyson Daniels, Herb Jones, Trey Murphy. So now we have so many options and so many routes to go with this draft pick. We can even trade it for another guy, or we can bring in another guy to build off this culture. They're in such a scary place because they have a great team already, along with the draft capital, which is scary because they can keep bringing in guys, bringing in guys, and they're under a lot of cheap deals right now. So I think right now you have to look at the Pelicans as a scary team for the future because even though Memphis, like we were just talking about them, they have the great development team, the scouting team. They don't have the draft capital as the Pelicans. They don't have the star power as the Pelicans because the Pelicans have Zion, Brandon Ingram, and um, Herb Jones, Trey Murphy, Dyson Daniels. Memphis got some guys too, but the Pelicans have that wild draft capital coming in. So I think the Pelicans are going to be a really scary team. They just have to manage it right and get these picks right. But in this class coming up, they literally can't get it wrong. I mean, I, I pretty much agree with him. This team is absolutely scary. My team saw them opening night. They killed us. Zion Williamson, Zion Williamson, <laughs> obviously we all know if he can stay healthy, generational, possibly a top 10, maybe a top five player if everything pans out. CJ McCollum's been good for their team. Herb Jones, I mean, this you want to talk about a team that's been hitting in the draft. New Orleans definitely has been hitting in the draft. Getting Brandon Ingram for the Anthony Davis trade. I mean, that trade looks like a highway robbery right now just because of how Anthony Davis and the Lakers are all playing right now. To think that a team that I, I projected the Pelicans to be a low-end contender, I'm not... I don't think that they're ready to win a championship per se, but I think if they keep this nucleus together and grow, then they can definitely contend for that. But the fact that they can add a lottery pick, whoever the case may be, Rivers and anybody, a lot of people coming out of this draft are talented. You can add that with this young core, with Zion Williamson, with Brandon Ingram, with the addition of CJ McCollum, Herb Jones, Jonas Valanciunas. I mean, this is a team that, if you make the right picks and everybody, you know, if Zion, I mean, say everybody, if Zion stays healthy, this is a team that can be a force for years to come in the NBA. And it's scary because I think that they're a great team now, but to think that they can add another top 10 lottery pick to this team that's already, like, in my opinion, projected to be this great team, if they stay together, everybody stays together, I think it's nothing short of spectacular that they can do this. So they're definitely going to be scary. I definitely... If I'm a Western Conference team, I definitely keep my eyes eyes out for them. They are a team that can give, I think, anybody in, in the Western Conference a run for their money, maybe even upset. That's how good I think they are. They can add a pick to this with the Lakers struggling all season, be it a top five pick. This is going to be ridiculously scary. I was thinking about <clears throat> this scenario because I don't think the Pelicans need this pick. Like It's like a cherry on top, but I don't think they need this pick. The salaries are probably not going to work at all. But this could be like a sweetener in a potential let's get Kevin Durant to the Pelicans trade. Oh, this pick? Yeah. This pick could be that. Or I think Absolutely. It, it could be just if they look if they feel like they're one player away, let's say at the all star break, their team is very good. They're a top four seed in the West, and they feel like they're one player away from making a huge jump. This pick could be used to acquire that said player. Well, it'll be have to be CJ Valanciunas and the pick. Yeah. Well, if we're talking about a Kevin Durant trade, yeah. But 
Maybe another player. Just for like cap situations, yeah. like it would be those two. Yeah, maybe another player though. Possibly it could be uh, another player. Could be Laurie Markkinen. Where the hell is he coming from? Why do you keep saying his name? <laughs> he's been really good for Utah, bro. Yeah, but why do you keep saying his name? Nah, he's a star. But we're talking about the Pels and the Nets trade. Where is no, Lord? I'm saying another player they could acquire. Oh, like yeah, the Pelicans? Yeah, but not with that pick, though. Yeah, yeah, not with that oh, pick. Yes, then why are you saying? <laughs> I they, you could, they could trade their own first-round pick, though. They do have theirs, too. We're fucked. I'm going to just be honest with you. They could definitely get a superstar with that pick if they, you know... You know they get an all-star-level player with that pick. I mean, just like he said, I mean, the turmoil going on with the Nets... The Nets have pretty much nothing to lose. They don't have much picks. They could be like, yo, we'll give you this, that, and we'll give you this pick. The Lakers don't look like they're going to be any good. Yeah. Then you I add don't Kevin think Durant the, to a team like that. I don't that think the Pels want Kevin Durant, though. That'd be crazy if they got him, though, to be honest yeah, with you. I don't think – I think they go with what they got, like their culture building. I think they don't want to break that up right now. And they already got two guys that are the D guys. You know, bringing in another guy, it's That'd like – crazy, though. I ain't going to lie. Yeah, so – And, and don't, don't, don't give KD no more favors, bro. Make him earn it, loser. Don't give him no more favors. Try to give him favors, man. Don't, That's your nah. boy. You just don't want him to pass Steph. He literally can't. Nah, it's over. <laughs> I don't think he can pass Steph. Steph got bro. four, bro. He what can't. What if KD wins the championship this year? You you don't believe that. He doesn't believe that. Wait, <laughs> with the Nets or in general? The Nets, bro. No, he's not winning. He's not, unless he goes. I wish. Bro. I don't need, He He's not winning a chip this year, bro. You don't believe not that. Not especially with the nah. He ain't winning. Nah, but if he does, though. If he were to win a chip and find his MVP, uh, then it's, the conversation would be brought up again. That's fans swore that they was finna win a chip with Kyrie and KD. You know I mean, can you Wouldn't blame you? us? Can yeah. you blame us? James Harden was supposed to get it done with y'all. It's just injuries. Here you go. No, it should have happened for real. They got Mes- hurt. Mesmerizing about the past. You don't think it should have happened? They should have won a championship for sure. I don't think it was meant to happen. They- injuries are a part of the game, like you said earlier. James Harden, though, should be a champion. He could be a champion this year with the Sixers. You don't. <laughs> you still think the Sixers are going to win? They got a chance. I mean, everybody, when you walk into the playoffs, everybody has a chance. I don't think it's impossible. Are they, They're playing right now. Let me see if they're No, they're whipping our ass right now. Oh, they're facing the Bulls. Yeah, okay, we have never beat. We've never beat and beat in our lives. For real? Never. Not once? Because he's better nope. than your franchise. Franchise is kind of nuts, considering we have Michael Jordan, but I get it. He has eight points on you right now. Yeah, no, nine minutes. Never beat. And PJ Tucker got five points. You better start respecting him. I'm done with PJ. I needed him to hit two threes one day. He's so garbage. He couldn't hit two threes. He didn't get the ball actually. He's so terrible. He's a terrible basketball player. <laughs> Did he hit one at least? Yeah, he hit one. That was the night we was uh, we was watching the game. He's a lock for a corner three a game. He was. He had like four <laughs> open corner threes. He didn't make the other three. I was pissed off. Was he good defensively though? Um, that game. They were playing the Bucks. No. He was not He's getting killed. Giannis I wouldn't killed. say he was getting killed. Giannis is just seven feet tall. He's ridiculous. PJ bro. is six five. So what do you? But he's strong. Yeah, Grant Williams guards Giannis better than PJ Tucker. That's cap. Facts. See, this is so disrespectful to PJ Tucker. You just don't respect his game. I'm Grant sorry. Williams just fouls a lot. That's his only problem. Grant Williams can't. Compared to PJ, he's, he literally is going to be a better PJ. Nah, you <laughs> tweeted a while ago that they're the, the same guy. Have PJ Tucker on their team is Grant Williams. <laughs> they're, they're, they're literally yeah, corner they're three. They're the same guy. Yeah, players. Grant PJ got a little more in his bag though. though. Nah, PJ's flyer though. Oh no, PJ's undoubtedly Not sneakers. But Grant got no, a little better. more in his bag though. Grant gonna be way better than PJ. I'm sorry. Nah, he doesn't have the same type of heart or hustle. Okay. Yes, he does. Yeah, he's trolling. No, 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 no. he does, bro. PJ is a different level of hustle. What? And he plays with. Why did PJ uh, start his NBA career at 32? 
Because he was playing overseas, bro. Because he didn't start. Team, he started teams, earlier. Teams it was like twenty eight. Two thousand, I believe, two thousand seven. He was no. He only had. He only been in the league seven years pro. Nah, he was in the league in two thousand. No, he was drafted, and then he was he was second round. No, I'm sure cut. he was drafted, but I'm saying he's only has like seven years of NBA time, including his first year as a rookie, and then yeah, let me see. and then with the with, double check because I think he only has like seven eight years in the box. That's cap, bro. He's like an eight year vet. He's like thirty. That's a year off from what I said. So he is. Sixers, Heat, Bucks, Rockets, 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 Raptors, Suns, Suns, oh Suns, 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 Raptors in 06. Yeah, I said 07. 07 he got 06. drafted in 06. He uh-huh. took a six-year break from the NBA, and he went That's to the That's what Sixers it was. Team, so. Okay, yeah. So he didn't play when he first got he in here. He played with KD in college. Yeah, I know. He played with the uh, Texas. So how many years does he have pro? They don't count the years you don't play Wait, in he just NBA. had 10 teams, so I'm saying 10 years? No, but he missed six years. He just, He's a 14-year pro. No, bro. <laughs> I see what you're trying to nah, do. Nah, bro. He's I mean, okay. Nah, how many years has he actually played in those 14 years in the NBA? Yes, ten. So years where he's averaged. So said he was six years. Years missed. where he's averaged 24 or more minutes. One, two, three, four, uh-huh. five, six, seven, eight, nine. So nine years. So how old is he? 37. He's 30. 34 right now. He's 34. He's not 34. <laughs> He's 37 right now. I knew so he's 29. All right, so he's... PJ. Yeah. That's your nah, boy. But he, went, he was on the Suns in 2012, bro. But did he play? Yeah, he was a starter for them. Yeah. Okay. That's what I'm... So, but he's... Well, how old was he in 2012? It tells you on Basketball Reference. In 2012, like he was 27. So I was off. I low. You know how I knew him? Mm-hmm. There was a game where he punched Blake Griffin. Really? In the face. Why? Yeah. Blake was probably killing him. It, were, it was a loose ball, and Blake nah. Griffin was, like, rapping him, and Uh-oh. PJ just... Blake can't check PJ, bro. Blake was what? probably dogging PJ. PJ locked up Carmelo. He did? When he was on the Knicks, yeah. What year? Around 2012, 2014. Right around there. I don't he believe that. Yeah, I got to see, see, <laughs> see the film. PJ is a pest, bro. Melo was off. I got to respect him. I got to see the film. <laughs> He's one of the best defenders we had. In did he play with the Morris brothers of PJ? On Phoenix? Phoenix, yes. No. He played with Kendall Marshall. He played with one of them. He played with Devin Booker. I think he had to. He was on that forty-nine win Phoenix team. That so with Bledsoe, playoffs. Isaiah Dragic, Thomas, and Ty- Thomas, they Isaiah played Thomas. three small point. It was crazy. Okay, <laughs> I see what team he was on. On to the last topic of the show: the Milwaukee Bucks are the only undefeated left, undefeated team left in the NBA. They're four and zero, and this is all without Chris Middleton. They might lose tonight, but at the time of this recording, they're the only undefeated team left. Should they be early favorites to win the Eastern Conference? Um. I mean, it was either them and the Celtics, right? I mean, I think that's that was the conversation, like Bucks or the Celtics. But right now, with no Middleton, the Bucks look great. You know, Drew Holiday looks amazing on the defensive end. Giannis oh, yeah. looks like a dog on the offensive end. So um, I guess you can put them as the early favorites. You know, I still I still think Boston is better, but I wouldn't be mad if you put the Bucks over them. I think those are the two cream of the crops of the East. You know, like I said, no Middleton. They beat the ball. I mean, they beat the Sixers. You know, they have some impressive wins. So they it's, blew out the Nets. I mean, you guys are they garbage. They killed us. So I don't even look at y'all as a good win anymore. But um, <laughs> the, the the Bucks. I guess you can say with no Middleton, they looked as great as ever. But I still will have the Celtics because I want to see what they're gonna look like when Chris Middleton comes back. I want to see Chris Middleton. I still think the Bucks. I mean, the Celtics coming down in a playoff series. I still would take the Celtics, especially with the way Brogdon has looked, the way Grant Williams has looked, Jason Tatum in his new form. Is this gonna last? So I think I would have to take the Celtics, but I wouldn't be mad if you have the Bucs as an early favorite. I got the Bucs pretty easily. <clears throat> the fact that they're undefeated without Chris Middleton, they're first in defensive rating without Chris Middleton. 
offensive rating is 22nd. They're not a great offensive team right now. But just looking at the leap that Giannis has taken, it feels like he's taken an, another leap in this game, averaging 34, 13, and 6, almost two blocks a game. Giannis right now just feels like he's on a completely different level than everybody else in the NBA. It feels like Giannis wow. is the best player. I think he's the best. And nobody comes close to him as how? coming to this, be the best like player in the NBA. That's so crazy to say. He thinks on his level wow. right now. Jokic? John Moran has played on his level as of right now. Fact. Jason Tatum has played on his level right now. Steph Curry has played on his level right now. Why do we do that? We like They've all played at the same top level. Has Giannis been the best? Yeah, but please let's stop Yeah, not like, close. No, Giannis has been noticeably the best. Noticeably? Yeah. John Morant has been on a different... He can shoot now. What, what are we doing here? But he's not the defensive player Giannis is. He may not be the defensive player, but the impact, you see it. Like John Giannis Morant, is a better offensive... I mean, Giannis is a better offensive player and defensive player. I'm not he saying... Giannis, I'm not saying... Is, no, but I'm not saying not Giannis close. is not... Better than these guys. I'm not saying that. No, but you're maybe acting Jaws like. Ex- more exciting, but Giannis. No, no, no. no, no. Clear you're acting like. It's clear. He's on a different level. It's clear he's on a different level. Yes. Clear is really strong. I think, they, I think he's the best, though. I think I think a lot of guys have been playing at that level. Nah, but you agree nah. Giannis is the best right now, though, right? Like in the league? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, me too. But I don't think that, like, warrants he's clearing the league. Like, it's, he's noticeably the best. No, Jaws. I, I think has been on that pace. No, I think he's noticeably been the best player in the NBA right now. You need to fix your league pass. That's what you need to do. <laughs> oh, for real, he's <laughs> noticeably been the league need to fix your league pass. He's noticeably been the best player in the league. He's elite, bro. Both sides. No, noticeably, noticeably is crazy. What could I say? Bro, he dropped forty three against the Nets. John Moran had forty points. Also, he had, had forty four against the Rockets. John Moran had forty points. John Moran had forty nine. Did he have elite defense? Wait, John had forty nine on the Rockets, bro. He's trying to knock him, bro. about that. Yeah, has the highest on. scoring game so far. Oh, what the fuck? We just he's a two-time right MVP. We just talking about right now, bro. Right now. Yeah, right, right now. now. Giannis why you bring in shit that he did like Giannis man, is on ago. a different level right, right I, now. I feel you, but why you got to bring the other shit in, though? Because. Like the two-time MVP. Like, it just proves that like he's on a different level. I don't understand. Right now. The different level part is crazy. I mean, career, yeah, but right now, I agree. Right now, I watch I just don't know why you brought in Right now, I watch Giannis. What about Luka? What are we doing no, here? No, Luca's amazing. No, 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 stop Luka. it. Because what are we doing? Luca's 36, bro. 10, and 10? What are we doing here? Yeah, no. Like, I watched Giannis no, no, and no, I say no. he's the best this, player in the league. This, right, okay, yes, that's fine. Yes. But he's not on a different level than everybody else. I think he's noticeably you, you, you th- the best th- player. This isn't Michael Jordan in the Luka? 90s and everybody else, bro. You think he clears Luca? Two-way prowess, yes. Offensively, he doesn't clear Luca. I didn't I, by any stretch no, no, of the Luka's, imagination. Luca's a better offensive player. I was talking about his two-way prowess, bro. Luca's been on his level, bro. Is Giannis the best player in the league? Yes, yes. that's fine. Noticeably been the best player in the league. That's fine, but has he been on a different level than these other guys? No, they're all on the same level. Dude, Giannis Luka, is just Luka, better than Luka them. Has been it's doing fine some incredible to say that. Fucking I think shit, that yo. Giannis has been a step above. Yo, Luca has been on some incredible shit. That's all I'm gonna say. Step above my ass. You got you got to stop, bro. I, I hate. But Giannis has been that. disgusting this year, though. Like, to be all been disgusting. Like, yeah. we've had some amazing guys in the first two. First one and two so far for me is Luca and Giannis. And so I, I was going to add the take. topic of change my take because mm-hmm. the Bucks are my team to go to the Eastern Conference finals and go to the championship, make it out the East. I think they're my team. Do you team think they can win the, the title? I think they can. They need more offensive output, and I think Chris, Chris Middleton's going to come back. So I'm just looking at these guys. Like, Dame has been on another level. Ja's been, been on another level. Yeah, no, nah, but not on the Let's look at. A good, one, great, a good one that you named Dame's game log. He had 40, 40, 31. 
We gotta stop, bro. Like, has he has like come on? Like, let's nah. Giannis is better than Dave, Giannis is at. But I keep thinking 30, I'm saying 40, he's not 40, better. 40. That's why it's like losing me. Like, I, I'm not saying he's not better. Bro, than Dame these guys. was my today in the NBA. Bro, uh, had, Luca's the only person that I I'll, I'll give it to you, Luca. Yeah, yeah, Luca's very yeah. comparable. Yeah. I'm not even saying they're all better. Steph Curry, no. <sighs> that's nuts. Just got blown out by Phoenix. That's fine. Giannis is undefeated. That's a good one. Like OG said when he was on the show, he's lucky that Giannis well, wasn't in the finals. They well, he has stood, four points, one for seven right now. They wouldn't now. have stood a chance. Oh, Giannis. They he started the same way against the Nets, and they had a 40-point. Like, I just, I don't know. Like, you look at this, is, and I'm box score watching at the moment, but John Morant, 34, 49, 20, 38, 22. Oh, yeah, I'm with you on that. He's a dog. Then Giannis, what he had, 21, 44, Tom 42, out, 30. That's, the MVP that's, ladder came out. Ja is one. Ja yeah. is at one. But I'm not even using that MP. Like, I'm not using that MVP. Like, but like, just me, just box score Why watching. Why is Ja one and not Giannis? I don't know. I, I don't make the MVP ladder. But you can clearly see other people also think Ja's been on another They're level. Just also, looking for a new fresh face, bro. That's all it is. You know that voters fatigue. You know how the NBA is. <laughs> I mean, I think Giannis is the best. Ja's shooting 57 percent from the three point line right now. Yeah, that's nuts. It's unsustainable. That's what I when you. It's really not either. That's what I say. <laughs> But he's been his jump shot has. Giannis, what he's improved. doing, I think Giannis could average thirty this year. He's done it too the that's, past two seasons. Can, yeah, Giannis cannot pass two. No, that's cap. It was uh, check. Year, no, I'm looking at it. It's that's cap. It was the year before. What did he average the year before? It was 29, 28, 29. Nah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but what's 30. the name? Jock can average thirty. It was twenty nine and a half. I gave him. <laughs> no, right. I gave him the twenty nine. I said twenty nine, twenty eight, twenty nine. Oh no, this past season he averaged twenty nine point nine. Yeah. Then the year before that was 28.1. Then it was 29 and a half. I, and that's why I said 29, 28, 29. I said, that's why I said that, 29, 28, 29. But Jock can average 30. Bro, that's, yo, he's averaged like basically 30 the last Yeah, Jock can average years. 30. Why can't Jock average 30? I'm, not, I'm just saying, Giannis has been noticeably the best player in the league to me. No, I didn't have a problem with that part. But you said he's on a different level. If I level. think he's noticeably the best player in the league, that means I do think he's oh, then, like a step above. Yeah, I have a problem with that then. I, have a, I, I mean, have you seen Giannis' box game logs? I just looked at it. Oh, and okay. then I looked at Lucas. <laughs> yeah, crazy. Yeah, no, Lucas close. Luka's no, they're all. They've all been. Lucas above Ja. That, I'm not saying he's not. They've all just been. Just, he's just trying. To, I guess what you're trying to say is people have been playing just as great as Giannis. Yes, all right. which is a fact. It's just been, playing, but not better than him. No, just so been you guys performing. Are, I've, I'm I've, not thinking. I'm just I, trying to I've come to a common said, ground. Giannis is better. Nobody. But you think the Cavs are going to beat the Bucks in the playoffs? That's where you you lose. What the fuck are you talking? About, I did not say that at one time. Nah, he just said they're gonna get to yeah, the like, ECF. What are you talking about? You just said that they'd beat the Bucks to get to the ECF early in the show. I said that, like yeah. I said that bar for bar. Yeah, just stand on it. Did I say that? Yes or no? Facts. Okay, oh, you, don't, you don't believe it? I don't think the I don't think the Cavs can beat the Bucks. So the Bucks are, the, are gonna make it out make it out the East then. No, I have Boston coming out the East. Okay, so you have Boston over Giannis. Giannis is the best player on both teams. That's fine. The team game. I think Boston's a better team. Chris Middleton healthy. It's clear they're load managing him. Not trying to get him. No, we we could talk about it real quick. I think Boston's a better team than uh, Milwaukee. Yeah, but I think the Bucks have the better player. Which is fine. They had a better player last playoffs. Yeah, they also didn't have Chris Middleton. And they also had game six in their home and they couldn't finish it. And also all. all And then game seven, they got blown out. You think Chris Middleton playing changes that series? Yeah, you could say that, but what we're gonna play? We're gonna play the injury card for the past three years. No, that's what you're doing. The last time those three were healthy, they did all off season. You were talking about how the Bucks would have beat the Celtics. Huh? All nah, off, yeah, you was too. You was, he all was. off he season. Was. You, what are you talking about? All off season, you talking about how the Bucks would have beat the Celtics if Chris Middleton was healthy. What do you, no, I did not. Yes, you did. And you had, you had the Bucks coming out the East as your favorite. I did have the Bucks coming out, and then they yeah. lost. Now, this they year, Boston has a new team, a bro, better yes, team, with a 
improvements in their players, I got Boston. Bro, why are you capping? Yes, you did. No, I didn't. All off we didn't talk long, about that offseason. Yes, bro. you he was did. big on the Bucks, bro. You said, yo, if Chris Middleton. You guys are having two Chris, separate conversations. If Chris Middleton plays the Bucks when you said that. I, nah, no, I, no, I, you I, said I, I said that all offseason. We were not talking about so that wait, all offseason. I said you said it Yeah, I said if Chris Middleton would have played. Yes, I did say that. But you made it seem like I was just spewing about that all offseason. No, because the Bucs, and I've said this too. Stop bringing that out because I've said this too. The Bucs still had an opportunity to win that series with Middleton out. Giannis just couldn't close it out in his home. I did say that too. Well, they lost Al Horford. Play, they yeah, but then they lost Al Horford in game six. Then they got blown out by Grant Williams in game seven. So I, the, middle, the Middleton excuse is cool, by but they still could have won. Oh, no, wow. Grant Williams is the best player in game seven in Boston. You watched the games. You saw what happened. And now he this was the year. the most open player, yeah. Well, I mean, now he this year. He started out bad. He started hitting his three. This year now, Boston's a better team. So you think if Middleton's healthy with Giannis, they still make it out the East? I would I would take Boston right now. You didn't answer my question. But I just, well, right I just now, If I'm taking Boston. You said have, you're taking Boston right now because Middleton is no, hurt. No, I'm saying you gave me the scenario. I'm taking Boston. Even if Middleton's if healthy. both of those teams are healthy, let me make, make it if very Wesley clear. Matthews is 100%. If, Wesley, if Wesley Matthews is 100%, if both teams are fully healthy, you're giving me fully healthy Rob, fully healthy the Jays. Brooke Lopez is back too. Fully healthy Brooke Lopez, fully healthy Chris Middleton. I'm taking Boston. I would take Boston. All right. Going with the Bucks, man. I mean, those are the only two that's probably going to come out the East. So it's one of them. You know what I'm saying? So Yeah, one of them, but one of them you're picking and you might be wrong on that. You also could possibly be wrong. I, I trust Giannis. It's very, that's a great. That's a good trust. I'm not considering act like it's not a good trust. Both teams are really comparable. He's top 15 player all time. And listen, trust Giannis. That's a respectable trust. I like Boston's team better though. I like Giannis. I'll put him over KD all time. I don't I'll have a problem with that. I'll concede with you. Top 15 all time. KD's your guy. He's not my guy. So I never said he's my guy. Now you went to war for him a couple episodes ago. Very much indeed died for him. So <laughs> I think that's your guy. You know? I, I mean, if you want to be honest, Giannis top five. I mean, top 15. We can put him top 15. Who are you taking out? KD. Oh, so KD is no longer top 15. I, would, I, think KD, I think Giannis will be above KD when it's all said and done. No, but you just said you're taking KD out the top 15. I mean, you could. Taking, that's kind of crazy. You taking Giannis over Carl Ballone? Giannis has more. Well, I don't. Yeah, Carl Ballone. <laughs> Giannis, Giannis has more MVPs about. than KD. Facts. He's won a championship as a man. KD has not won it as the man, as the leader of a city and a team. <laughs> okay. Who's, who, so at their peak, who would you take? He has a DPOY. KD doesn't. So at their peak, who would you take? I would take Giannis. Like, undoubtedly. Like, you're not thinking I, I, anything MVP about MVP 2014, 33, like 50, K- 40, 90, Kevin Durant. At yeah. KD's pre, absolute post, best. Pre-Achilles pre, uh, injury, too. Talking about OKC, KD. I'm taking Giannis. Him. Because he's shown me the willingness I and the will dude, to win and put a city on his back, back and not duck a challenge. No, I, okay. I'm, no, I'm I feel you. you. We just talking about a player. KD was really OD. No, yeah, KD as a player is all-time great. It's OD. But Giannis is a different level. Okay. It's funny because I feel like in a couple months when this gets brought up again, he's going to mention how hard and all of them were hurt and how they probably wouldn't have won either. I mean... Yeah, it is right now. Is. He's feeling Giannis. I respect. That. I, listen, the Bucks. I mean, the Bucks are the Bucks. Giannis has accomplished more as the man than him, though. It's just a stone cold facts. Just is what it is. The Bucks are the Bucks, man. I mean, we're gonna see towards the end of the line if they see each other. You know, that's gonna be a series that we're gonna definitely get in tune with. But I like, I like Boston. I really do like Boston as a team. So I, I'm gonna go with Boston. You know, so casual. <laughs> you know. It's, 
good teams. You know, Giannis is going to do his thing. Tatum is going to do his thing. Giannis is going to have a sidekick healthy this time, this go around. So definitely, and I be think a Tatum, series. Tatum and JB will be much better at that point. So especially Tatum, I think Tatum will really is going to be Tatum's ridiculous. Tatum's going to be on another. Giannis's level. length is. He's not guarding. He's, they're not going to match him out on Jason Tatum's going to be able to match Giannis. So I'm, offensively, I'm, yeah. Oh yeah. Well, you think so? I think so. They didn't do it in the finals. The same Wiggins. Um. Couldn't he literally couldn't match Giannis in the finals because he didn't play him? No, I'm saying but, in the finals he couldn't. Well, I mean he played. He wasn't great. Played the Warriors. Oh, they were selling out on him the whole series. That's a that's an experienced team with three championships. Experienced coach who has like twelve. I understand, but I don't think he'll match Giannis. In a playoffs, he just did it. I think it'll be close, but he won't match him. He literally just did it. But if Giannis has a sidekick, no, it's not happening. How can this? How does the sidekick alter from them two matching? I don't understand what that means. Because now it's less responsibility on defense and creation for Giannis. And to be honest with you, they were up 3-2 without him the entire series, too. Giannis is a rim protector. What do you mean? Yeah, he's not guarding anybody on the perimeter. He's not going out there to stop Tatum. Wesley Matthews is going to be the one guarding him. So in that playoffs, Tatum averaged 27-6-5. What did Giannis average? 34-15-7. So he did not match him. So by in the run? No, in the series. Oh, in the series? Yeah. Oh, okay. 34 15. I know Tatum had a few. Four, he had a 40. That game ball. six, he had 46. Yeah, he had that 46. Ah, that, Tatum had some historic moments. That, 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 that game yeah, six. Yeah, he had that 46 that put them in, in Giannis' oh. home, put them in very, very good company. Letting another man get 40 in your home is kind of crazy. I'm going to just be honest with you. Like, I'm going to just let he you know crying. that. Letting another man get 40 in your home is Jason ridiculous. Tatum is ridiculous. Well, we'll see come down the stretch. You know what I'm saying? You got your little Bucks love. Even though you had Philly two weeks ago, now you all of a sudden got the Bucks. So I this to change your take. Change your take. Yeah, I'm changing my take. You're changing it to the obvious answer. Okay. I want to be right. That, yeah, it's obvious. You, want, it's you, just, you just basically admitted to me you're taking the underdog in the Celtics. I took the Celtics two weeks ago. But you think the Bucks should be favorites? Yeah. I said I don't mind the Bucks being favorites. Even though the Celtics, I think our favorites. JC JC said it. The, when those big three are healthy, they haven't. They so who are you going with? The Bucks or Celtics? Milwaukee. I think we're I think they're battle tested. I think that they've won a championship. I think if they had Chris Middleton last year, they would have been in the finals. <coughs> I think he makes that much of an impact. So and they would have won and beat Golden State too. That I don't know. Who's guarding Giannis? Kayvon Looney? Draymond Green. Draymond Green cannot check Giannis. Build the wall. On his best day, he can't check I'm Giannis. just saying, you just ask me who was Gardner, this is going to have to be Draymond Green. Draymond Green at, they build the at wall, this broski. age. They can, Draymond they, Green at this age. They build the wall, Get the best of sleep. Eat the best of meals. They build the wall. Cannot match Giannis. They build bro. the wall. Cannot check And I Giannis. promise you, Andrew Wiggins can guard Chris Middleton. I promise you he can. Like, very, very easily, too. Like, it's not going to be nah, a challenge. He strapped Jason Tatum, who's he's not even the th- way He's not getting no sleep. Guarding Chris Middleton, I'm telling and you. Drew, Chris Middleton can light him up for a game. Though. And Drew, how they lie. gonna do what he do on Steph too? Steph won't guard Drew. Now I'm saying Drew's gonna guard Steph. Drew can't check Steph. <laughs> what are you? Why are you telling me that? They they switch everything. It's gonna make him inefficient. The Bucks allow so hella many threes. Instances in which Steph you do Curry know that, right? Him. The Bucks allow a but lot of threes. The not gonna work on Giannis if you don't have this. The and bottom. allowing a lot of threes isn't gonna work on the Golden State Warriors. I don't know. The they actually allow the most threes in yeah, the NBA. Yeah, yeah. They Playing against the three and they don't adjust. They, they don't adjust. A, they run a drop. They're yo. very stubborn. <laughs> yo, they do not adjust, bro. You yo, do know that. The drop against Golden State is crazy. Giannis can make up for a lot. He had 50 in the finals, yo, you, bro. Yo, against you, the Suns. You like Draymond Guardian? One on one, he probably won't. Has Steph Curry ever had 50 in the finals? 
He had 47. He was close. They had 50, though. Giannis no. had 50. I mean, you played the Suns. Close out. Game six. The Warriors would beat the on shit a, out of the a, Suns. On a bad knee. The Warriors would beat the shit out of the Suns. That's who they played. The Warriors would dog them out. I don't know. No, you Suns know. Suns got dog. They lost by, to Dallas in seven. And the Warriors dogged them out. It's a bad match for the Suns. <laughs> the Warriors the are Warriors a better are, one? <laughs> nah, the Warriors are a better one. These things are? Oh, because A.N. A.N. <laughs> uh, it is a better matchup because they ain't right. Like say it, <laughs> you want to say it because they ain't right. It is because man. <laughs> oh my god, a series decided by DeAndre. You think Wiggins could check D book? I think he'll do fine. He can't check D book. I just watched him check Tatum, bro. I think he'll be okay. But the, you've we've seen him face D book and he's not checked him, bro. In a regular season, it's fine. D book is a playoff performer. And Tatum is a playoff stopper. So what are we doing here? You mean Wiggins? Oh, I'm sorry. Wiggins. Wiggins <laughs> is a playoff stopper. He just stopped Tatum on the biggest thing. And the whole experience shit, Wiggins, that was his first finals too. So, But now you have Mikael Bridges on Steph Curry. How's okay. that going to work out? I think when Steph's locked in, it doesn't matter who's on him. Mikael? Yeah. I think it matters if Mikael's on him. Okay. Well, when he's locked in, like I said, it doesn't matter who's on him. You just relied on DeAndre Aiden to win that <laughs> series. You're not coming out that series with a win, bro. Sorry. This is going to do it for episode 224 of the Pick Aside podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at Pick Aside Pod, on Instagram and TikTok at Pick Aside Podcast. Thank you guys for watching. We'll see you next time. This is Colin Kelly from the Rotoviz Fantasy Football Podcast Network. In case you didn't know, the show you are listening to right now, as well as my show, is part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Blue Wire was founded in 2018 on the concept that independent podcasts would be more successful if they worked together. Today, Blue Wire has grown to feature 300 shows led by former athletes, media professionals, and passionate fans. And over the past few years, Blue Wire has privately raised over $10 million to expand their team podcast network and business operations, now they are raising another round on WeFunder. WeFunder is a crowdfunding service that connects startups with investors. It's a cool platform that gives everyone the opportunity to be a part of a growing startup. You can invest as little as $100. In other words, you don't have to be a millionaire to invest in cool companies on WeFunder. BlueWire is raising money to expand their sales team and improve operations, which in turn will help this show continue to grow. If you would like to be part of the BlueWire investment round or want to find out more information go to wefunder.com forward slash blue wire